0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and
1: Beekeeper, I didn't even know her. <laughs> wow. Lazy. Lazy. You just you did me, that. Just you lazy. just did that. Lazy.
0: Joining yeah. me today is David your hardware. <laughs> it's like I've always said malware can kill people. <laughs> malware can kill, comma people, and also malware also can buzz, kill buzz. And yeah. also, malware can kill people. Yes. Uh, all
1: right. And Jeff Canada, I will say this, guys. I've never seen so much beauty in Jason Statham's eyes. After all, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> Those Amazing. are, of course,
0: all vague and oblique <laughs> references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing The Beekeeper, the latest film starring Jason Statham, with uh, written by Kurt Wimmer, directed by David Ayer. Amazing in the eye of the beholder i said indeed really looking forward it's too bad the that movie was. took the best one the best thing <laughs> that you could have said <laughs> yes, yes actually just yes, yeah actually yeah the shakespeare quote yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah anyway all right uh of course we got a little bit of feedback that we want to react to from our top 10 episode as well as uh some what we've been watching to bring to you today uh so Tune in for all of that. Of course, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com and find us across all platforms at the filmcast Pod. We're posting our videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash at thefilmcastpod. Also on TikTok at, the, uh, at uh, filmcast. All right, before we get to today's episode, though, let's yeah, get your feedback at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. I want to begin by saying uh, we got a lot of great feedback. To our top 10 episode last week. Uh, thanks to everyone who said a kind word. And I want to thank Noah Ross and Kurt Mega for their help in putting that episode together. A lot of work goes into that episode from all parties. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Everyone on this podcast, uh, all the people working behind the scenes. And so uh, we really appreciate it that people listened to it and you know took it seriously and really engaged with it in a, in a lovely way. Um, so thanks to all the kind words. Again, you can always send them to slash from slashfumcastgmail.com or wherever you can find us on your, our, our various uh, social media presences. Uh, some of the questions that were asked during that episode included, what do you think should have been in our top 10 that we did not include? And we got a bunch of emails uh, about that topic. One of the uh, suggestions that we got repeatedly was characterized by this email from Lorenzo writing at the slash gmail.com. Lorenzo wrote in, quote, as usual, I had a blast listening to your annual top 10 film rankings. At the end of the episode, you solicited emails of glaring omissions. The movie that I propose is a glaring omission. Isn't a glaring omission in the sense of it being a film that I expected one or more of you to include on your list, given that I don't recall any of you ever having mentioned this movie, (laughs) but rather I propose it as a glaring omission as it is my number one film of 2023, And the only movie that I saw more than once on the big screen in 2023, and I think you guys would really enjoy it as well. The film in question is Kelly Reichardt's Showing Up, starring Uh Michelle Williams, Hong Chow, John Magaro, and Judd Hirsch. In Showing Up, Williams plays an artist in the lead-up to an art exhibition for which she's preparing. That's my attempt to write a synopsis bare-bones enough to be Jeff-friendly, but that also will hopefully entice him to watch the movie. This part in showing up isn't one of the most demanding of Williams' career, but the character is one of the most endearing that she's ever played throughout her career. Don't just take my word for showing up. It recently won the Robert Altman Award at the Indie Spirits uh, Award, and it was recently nominated for both, both Best Feature and Outstanding Lead Performance for Williams at the Gotham Awards. Happy New Year. Keep up the wonderful work in 2024. Thanks for the many hours of enjoyment you provide, end quote. Uh, so we did get that email a few times about showing up. That is yeah, an email yeah. that I actually wanted to watch. Kelly Reichardt uh, directed First Cow, right? Was that was that her? Um, and uh, that w- I think did, did First Cow make one of your top ten lists? I feel like it did.
1: It made mine, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think so. yeah, yeah. so I so, love that movie. That movie is awesome.
0: Right. So her next movie was uh, this movie showing up, which is streaming right now in Showtime.
1: Hmm. And I uh, mean uh, it, Paramount Plus with Showtime. <laughs> That's correct. Joke. And uh, soon to be Max, yeah. Paramount yeah. Plus featuring Showtime, a novel by Sapphire. <laughs>
0: That's right. Um, so I have heard great things about this. I actually wanted to watch it before our top ten episode. Didn't have a chance to do so,
1: but I've heard this great was things. Not on my radar at all. Yeah, I, I had no idea the person who made First Cow made another movie this year.
0: Uh, well, there you go. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this uh, email segment on, yeah. on the filmcast. So there's yeah. been like very little buzz for this movie too. is a thing, like
2: it, I only recently started hearing about it, like in December. So it is. There's so much. There's yeah, so much there's good stuff,
0: stuff out of 2023. It's wild. I feel like we watched each of us watched anywhere between like a dozen and two dozen movies. It, it was in crazy de- in December, yeah. you know. So it's just, uh, which I know for some people is not even very much, but for us it's a lot. And so we tried to get in as much going as we could uh, for. December, but thanks so much for the suggestion the movie showing up. It's a movie. I plan to check out. Bunch of emails wrote in uh, asking about they clone Tyrone. I, I meant to mention this during my honorable mentions. Good movie. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a really yeah. good movie. Like but some people were like, why didn't they clone Tyrone? Make your top 10. It, it was, it was a do, lot do of Do you understand top 10? It's a very selective <laughs> yeah. number among many, many, many that mm-hmm. we have to see. Like that's the unfortunate. Thing. I don't think anyone disliked. They yeah, clone that's Tyrone. a good I movie. I really really enjoyed fun it. movie. A yeah. lot of fun, like great, uh, Social commentary, so uh no a lot of affection for the clone time. Uh I it was it was a contender for my top 10. I will just say that it was something that I was seriously considering, but just didn't didn't kind of make it into either that. And and maybe if, I thought I mentioned it during Honorable Mentions, but if I didn't, it barely missed that list. Um, so yeah, a movie I really enjoyed. Uh okay. Uh Enrique, I think that's how you pronounce Enrique, uh wrote in suggesting a bunch of movies. Including the holdovers showing up, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Uh, and they also wrote this description of the eight mountains, which is streaming right now on Criterion. Dave mentioned this a couple times already, and I think you all would like it. It checks all of your personal boxes. And then here, Enrique lists a little checkbox for each of us checkbox depressing for Dave, checkbox people in rooms talking for Jeff, checkbox deeply affecting for mm. Devendra. <laughs>
1: That does sound like our boxes. That, that sounds does great. Sound like
0: check- it like the over there. <laughs> yeah. So the Eight Mountains again. It's a it's a movie that I again have been wanting to watch. Uh, the runtime is intimidating. I think it's like two and a half hours long on Criterion. So I just have been a little bit slow to uh, to do that one. But does, uh, does
2: Criterion have the short movie section? Because I think even they know it's a problem sometimes. <laughs> like movies under ninety minutes. Just just hit me up,
0: yeah, please. Uh, but it, definitely a movie that I uh, am interested to watch at some point. Uh, Josie from Denver writes in, my suggestion for a movie that would make your, for your top 10 list is Blue Jean. It's a great film about being a closeted lesbian in the 80s United Kingdom. The photography is maybe the best I've seen in the last decade. End quote. Uh and uh, I saw the trailer and it does look like a very beautiful movie. Blue Jean is available on video on demand. It seems like an interesting movie. So I thought that was worth mentioning as well. And by the way, when you're writing in for like in general, I'm going to say when you're writing into slash filmcast at com for a movie you would suggest we watch. Try to include a reason that you think we should watch it. Yes. Yes. That's A lot funny. of people just wrote in and didn't. They're like, "You should watch this," and then didn't. See, th- say this is why. the work. This is the hard work that we have to
2: do to convince people. This is, that yes. certain things are good. Or Welcome not. to our world,
0: yeah, folks, which is trying to convince people to watch good things. Anyway, adding reasons. That would be great. I, I, I say that because Josh writes in. I think uh, Rodrigo Soragoyan's "The Beast" is worthy. I don't remember if you've talked about it previously on the pod, but if not, I strongly recommend it, end quote. Now, usually I wouldn't even read that email because there's not really any reason given. <laughs> no, but normally I did. you just throw it in the trash I just and never think I about put it. put that in the spam folder, <laughs> uh, but I did check out this movie. Uh, it is available on, on video on demand. I think it's a movie, uh, and it does look really interesting. Uh, that's The Beasts. And uh, I think it feels like a really culturally relevant movie at this point in time. So The Beast is the
1: movie that that was. So it uh, sounds right like you mind. don't need a reason because Dave will just check it out anyway.
0: Well, I made an exception and then I was like, never again, Jeff. I'm never <laughs> do it. If somebody rates it with no reason, I'm never checking it again. So that that was my last. That was my, you know, tipping point was that email. <laughs> Uh, and then Stephen from Scottsdale wrote in about the movie Linoleum was his number two movie of the year. It made him cry, laugh and question what it means to remember something, a deeply touching story where you never know what will happen next. Please watch this movie. It is on Hulu right now. I think Jeff court. really liked it, right? Yeah. And Jeff, you you mentioned this uh, during the year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, I, to, you, I remember you really liking it, Jeff. I thought one, I th- one yeah. of you guys mentioned this movie. I'm, I've the... talked about it briefly, I think, but I thought this was a very Jeff thing. I seem oh, to maybe, remember maybe you. it was Devendra then that, that yeah. mentioned it. Yeah, but anyway, it, se- it seems like a movie that at least one of you liked. Is that right?
1: I have not seen this.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, this yeah, is it was the... just me. me that mentioned oh, it? this. Maybe, it? Um, the Jim Gaffigan, right? Yeah, Jim Gaffigan yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. No, I have not seen. Yeah, this yeah. so Devendra, okay. this is definitely you then, and I think you I saw it. Yeah. you liked it,
2: right? You, it's okay. It's, yeah. um, I could see why some people liked it, but I also felt like it's another one of those, I'm not going to show them this recommendation, but another one of those like sad sack guy going through midlife <laughs> Life Crisis movies. And yeah. it is one of those, but I think there's something new and interesting about it too. And I think you would like it, Jeff. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, you. I, I have hovered over it numerous times.
0: <laughs> bad title, bad I have, title. I have put my cursor over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have let the Hulu trailer autoplay on a number of occasions. But then
2: you let your brain process linoleum that I does just, not sound compelling
1: i do like mm. the idea of jim gaffigan you know you know getting doing an acting turn yeah like, he gets his know. he gets his time yeah I like that. he
0: was also in that steven soderbergh show this year uh uh what's it called um full circle he was oh yeah uh, he was oh, in right. a dramatic dramatic turn oh, my in that God. movie also
2: ray seahorn is in linoleum and i think Ooh. one thing that annoyed me is they kind
0: of wasted her is oh, the thing unfortunately yes. one of the great actors of our yeah, age yeah 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 Okay, well thanks so much for all of your suggestions uh, emailed into slash filmcast at gmail.com uh, and thanks for listening to our top 10 episode. Uh, just was lovely to get all the positive feedback after all the work that went into that episode. Um, and yeah some fun some fun surprises during that episode, you know uh, Jeff and my list being very simpatico. DeVre is just doing his own thing, running a little uh art house cinema I'm in his, I mean my, uh, my in own little corner over <laughs> here, which uh, yeah. I, I was a fan of. I was a fan of so yeah. uh, anyway. Thanks so much. Uh, We appreciate all of the engagement. Uh, One other thing I wanted to mention before we get to our regular episode this week, and that is that next week's episode is going to be delayed slightly. It's probably going to come out about a day later or possibly later in the day than usual. Uh, And that is because if everything goes according to plan, I am going to be heading to Sundance this week. Uh, And I won't be getting back until Monday, which is when we typically record. Nice. Uh, So and when I say all going according to plan, that is because I don't know if you know this, but um, some uh, planes in the United States have trouble keeping the doors on. Uh, It seems bad.
2: Also, Sundance is in like the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm, you know, so mm -hmm. that doesn't help. Yeah, hundred percent, Devendra. Who thought that was a good idea? Having (laughs) a world class independent film festival like (laughs) on a snow, a mountain on top, a town on top of a mountain.
0: Tell it to Robert Redford. Tell it to Robert Redford. Man, uh, but this will be my first time going back in over uh, like a decade, and uh, so I'm I'm quite excited about it. Not excited about the cold. Not excited about potentially riding in a plane that uh, where the door could blow off uh but i think they've grounded a lot of those planes but as a result many planes and many other flights are being canceled yeah uh, so it's very likely i'm not even going to make it i think that's a uh, significant I, I put it at a 20 percent chance i'm not even going to make it or, i'm looking uh, forward
2: to the hard-hitting george clooney movie about boeing and what happened with the was mm-hmm. it which max the number but yeah whatever
0: happened with that plane Whatever. there it? already is uh i think it's uh, on on uh netflix right what happened to the Mm. There's a Boeing documentary on Netflix that I talked about on this, uh, yeah, 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 and that downfall, the case against Boeing, that is on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, and which I watched I wanted it way, dramatized by the way, that premiered at Sundance like a couple years ago. Uh, so ironically, the thing the story they told might a- lead to me uh, not making it there this year. anyway. Point being, if I make it there, which is the plan, uh, the episode is going to be delayed next week, and so sorry about that. But do not be alarmed; it'll Um, be worth it. The podcast will still be back. So yeah, all right. uh, So just wanted to make do not be
1: alarmed about me potentially (laughs) being in a death machine ten thousand feet above the Earth.
0: I mean,
2: aren't they all death machines, guys? How does flying work? You
0: know, human beings. Human beings are not intended to get into (laughs) aluminum cylinders that are hurled at four (laughs) hundred miles per hour across the country. You know. Uh huh. That's my philosophy. I
1: mean, so. I I think they are, but they're just not <laughs> intended to keep the doors on. <laughs>
0: All right. Anyway, next week's episode a little bit delayed. Just FYI. All right. Let's get to what we have been watching this week. A Chenister always pays his debts. That's what I always say. Uh, and wow, one a of the things that you're, I promised a, I would watch is a the movie now. <laughs> One of the things I promised I would watch is the movie It Lives Inside, which is uh, a horror movie from Neon that is streaming right now on Hulu. I think a lis- a young listener named Rick emailed this in as a mm-hmm. suggestion. And uh, you're going to hear this theme in all the movies I mentioned this week, guys. Uh, but there's a lot of movies I'm going to talk about this week that have a lot of ingredients uh-huh. that I like. In this case, this movie It Lives Inside is directed by Bishal Dutta. It, it, it stars Megan Suri, and she is awesome in this movie. Uh, Bishal Dutta, the director, I think, is like really talented at uh, directing an interesting horror sequence, very tense, very thrilling. Uh, Megan Suri, very talented actor, uh, and the cast overall is really great. Uh, Niru Bajwa and Betty Gabriel are also in this movie, um, and I think they put in great performances as well. Uh, and this movie is about... The Immigrant Experience. It is about what it is like to experience the alienation of coming to America and going to school and feeling like you don't belong because you're not from here. You are terrifying and there are demons chasing you. Exactly. That plus the demons is really difficult. Uh, (laughs) So it has... uh, All that stuff sounds like Dave Chen, Catnip stuff that I would really love. Sadly, I didn't enjoy this movie very much. Uh, I think the problem is that a lot of the uh, the movie is too long and too or too mm-hmm, long is, is mm-hmm. not. Uh, I don't want to use that criticism. Not enough happens in my. It's, opinion, a, it's over. It's, to, it's only like ninety nine minutes long. Yeah, so it's not
2: even that long. It's yeah.
0: not enough happens to justify the runtime where uh, there's just vast stretches of. Nothing happening or the the film seeming to wander aimlessly uh, where I don't feel like I understand uh, what it's what it, whether it's trying to create tension in the scene or not. Like characters mm-hmm. kind of just doing stuff. There's no like narrative momentum, in my opinion, for vast swaths of the film. Some of the film sequences are really effective. You know, like I'm not saying there's nothing interesting or good there. And certainly the part about uh, the movie having South Asian protagonists. That's just rare to see a horror film that has South Asian protagonists, right? Mm -hmm. So for that reason alone, it's worth checking out. I've been meaning to Um, check it
2: out mainly because of that, because we never really get this perspective. And
0: now it's like, okay,
2: if you put it in in the genre of a horror movie, then, okay, South Asians, we will listen to your story. That's what it kind of feels like, so... Okay, I, I can't wait to see this movie and tell you if you're wrong or not. Yeah, there. yeah, please, so, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward looking to it. Looking forward
0: I, to it. Again, uh, your, I don't be clear. I, I would say I'm I'm quite mixed on it. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think it's bad, but I think that uh, when I think about movies that really horror films that really distinguish themselves, mm-hmm. uh, many of them have something like really interesting. From a technical perspective, like I think we all love the new uh, Evil Dead movie, right? Yeah, and that movie was just a really incredible gore fest. I think they had tens of gallons of buckets of blood that were, you know, buckets of gore, blood that was used. Well, you mean the not not Rise, but the
2: the remix, the reboot? No, 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 no. Well, both, both. Yeah, Evil Dead, Ra-
0: uh, Evil Dead Rise like is what yeah. I was <laughs> talking.
2: About. Right. I mean, it's a gore fest plus heart, like right, that was right, the key. right. Like it was, but, there, but yeah, yeah
0: I, I think like just just having some really amazing. Effects, you know, is what helped to distinguish that movie. Plus, Mm -hmm. it was like a a decent movie overall. I thought Evil Dead Rise. But uh, this movie, the primary distinguishing feature is the uh, the sort of South Mm -hmm. Asian characters and uh, elements of South Asian culture that are used and referenced in the movie. And that's interesting. It's worth worth checking out. But the rest of the movie, I thought, was kind of a bore, unfortunately. Okay, uh, and that's that's the problem. It, it, I, I've been hearing
2: mixed things about it, like throughout the year, which is also why I've been like hesitant to be like, "Oh man, this is the horror movie that's going to do it for South Asian representation." That all I keep hearing is like, uh, "Not quite." You know, so yeah. I'm. St- I, I want to see it. It's I want st- to believe in it. You I know? would say it's
0: a good start. It's like, oh, this is like a really. I see the promise of how mm-hmm. you could explore this further, but the, the execution, other than some of these like scare sequences, these creature sequences, um, I found to be lacking and just sure, sure. not engaging enough all the way through to really make me feel like I can wholeheartedly recommend it. So yeah. a lot of good stuff. Not a movie I could wholeheartedly recommend, but there's enough stuff there that, uh, and, and that's true of every single one of these movies I'm going to mention today. By the way, is like spoilers. There, yeah, there's good <laughs> stuff there, and therefore I think it's worth mentioning so that maybe you will check it out and you will like it more sure. than me. The uh, beekeeper,
2: not enough bees,
0: not enough <laughs> so honey. True. So true. So anyway, It Lives Inside. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Again, some good stuff. Not a movie I liked or particularly enjoyed that much, but uh, something that you may enjoy. There might be stuff in there that's good good for you. So check it out. It Lives Inside on Hulu. Devinder Ardwar, what is something you've been watching this week? Sure. I've been checking out
2: True Detective Season 4, and I've been lucky enough to see the entire season. Now, let me, let me just put you folks in my headspace, right? So <laughs> I just got out of covering CES, where I have written... Thousands of words, honestly, probably tens of thousands of words just thinking about work like nonstop since CES began, right? And doing a lot of prep ahead of that. So having a nice break, um, it's something I look forward to, like once the show is done, once that work is done. Once I got a taste of True Detective Season 4, I, I could not stop. Like this show is my new obsession. I think um, it, this is a tremendous season of television, Um it's just like it it is fantastic like i just can't stop thinking about it i didn't i didn't expect to i didn't expect to like dive into it so hard but Issa lopez uh, the director um she directed a mexican horror movie i believe it's children are not afraid um tigers are not afraid tigers are not afraid yes uh, which is about children and ghosts and things like that i have not seen that movie but now i need to she really just injects so much life into the concept of true detective but we probably need to rewind a bit, right? Like, I think we all like True Detective Season 1. Yeah. I think we all reviewed True Detective Season 2, and that was like a hell of a disappointment. Can you remember Colin Farrell was in that show?
0: It was it was a very awful season of television and directly attributable. You know, Nick Pizzolatto, who created True Detective, yeah. has said the reason... It wasn't good is because they wanted it to come out within a certain time frame. Yeah, and they they gave he, him basically a less than a year. Right. To and he write that wrote and and that. he wrote all the episodes. And that is difficult to write. You know, he's probably spent years writing True Detective Season One and like a year writing Crew Detective Season Two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it showed, and I think he acknowledged that if I'm not mistaken. You know? He so, did. Like that was yeah. a big hit for him professionally. True Detective came back with season three, which I think was not bad. That
2: was the Mahershala L. E. season. Yeah, and it yeah. was it was okay, but it it didn't have the magic. It didn't have the, like, supernatural kind of tinge to it. It didn't have, like, the style of True Detective Season 1. And this season, I think, is just a really interesting, um, almost like, I don't know, mirror image of the first even. right? Like, this is set. Uh, first of all, it stars um, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster and yep. Callie Reese. Callie Reese. Right? Yeah. And Callie Sh- Rice, by the way, Rice. is... right. Yeah. A fantastic find because she is just so compelling. First of all, how hard must it be to be to be in a essentially two hander? There are other, there are a lot of other great actors, including John Hawks in this season. Yeah. But yeah. how tough to be the one to go against freaking Jodie Foster back in uh, Silence of the Lambs mode? basically. And mm. Callie Rice just really acquits herself really well. She's a former boxer. Uh, she starred in a, an indie film uh, a couple of years ago that I hear was very good. And um, she's just really compelling. Catch, and really... catch the fair one. Catch the movie. fair one. Yeah. yeah. Um, she has indigenous background. She is somebody who I think is really interesting to help tell the story because this is set in an Alaskan town. Um, a group of scientists have disappeared. And the cops are all trying to figure out why. And also the death of an indigenous woman an unsolved murder is also kind of a part of this and maybe connected to the whole thing. And that kind of gets these two characters together to try to figure out what the hell is going on. But what is amazing about this is that Issa Lopez has basically crafted something. Like I was saying, it does feel like a a mirror image of the first one. Like so not almost everything is opposite right instead of a hot hot climate you're in freaking alaska where it's night all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of two hot shot dudes it's uh two really strong women instead of like murder victims that and the whole scenario remember the opening to true detective and how even that kind of weirdly sexualized violence a little bit um none of that is here you know it is i've been watching the first couple episodes with my wife it is kind of fascinating how this show Almost makes men look like ludicrous and silly most of the time, save for one of the characters. And it's really up to these women to like freaking save the day and figure things out. So just the fact that it kind of one ups um, or turns around the initial concept and thrust of True Detective, I think it's really fascinating. At the same time, it's a really compelling mystery. It's really well told. There is mysticism in here there is magic there are potentially like references to two things older than uh, our civilization and it is that little that little bit of extra that i think made true detective season one so compelling and made everybody
0: so like you know right, uh, right. are
2: we gonna go into lovecraft horror here with this right. thing because uh, that's kind of the yeah.
0: question for these shows right is their anthology series so what is a true detective mm-hmm. what makes a true detective story and I think kind of some element of the supernatural being possible or referenced—that uh, definitely seems like a key component. It's, of it it's so kind more. of fun,
2: and that gives it like uh, a Twin Peaks vibe. That gives it an X Files vibe too. But also, it's so like it's told in a very like noirish way too. Like I just think this season is just firing on all cylinders. Love all the actors. Love like love everything that's uh, going on. I just love the way it's all constructed. So, Issa Lopez. I think is a new like must watch talent in television and in film. I'm going to watch everything she does from now on. I have finished the season. It's fantastic. And I think like once it's all done, we should do like a spoiler episode or something because it's good, folks. Be obsessed.
0: True Detective Night Country is very, very good. It's cool that they just gave Issa Lopez uh, you know, control of this franchise, essentially. I think she wrote – how many episodes yep. did she write? Like most of them or some of she them? She has te- – uh, I mean she fully wrote like I think um, the first two and maybe the finale. But
2: she also has tele- teleplay credit mm, across yeah, the entire yeah. thing. So it is her you know, production. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, her it, entire it's, thing. It's yeah. awesome
0: that they were like willing to to do something like that. And and I think uh, they're uh, rewarded for it with like a mm-hmm. really interesting – uh, season of television. Jeff Kanata, you and I also watched uh, at least some of this episode, the first episode that just aired, right? Oh, I've um, watched
1: more than the first episode. I, oh, I have not yep. finished the the series, but um, I, yeah, concur with everything Devinder said. It's easy to forget what a powerhouse the first season was. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 10 years ago. It was 2014. Yeah. So it's a decade since that first season of True Detective, but it was, it was like, Uh, a thunderbolt of television Mm -hmm. i mean it was really incredible kind of doing things that i I think it it was a precursor to a lot of the stuff that's that's happening now i mean obviously we were already in kind of the heyday of of uh uh,
2: prestige tv TV, thank you
1: um but i think it kind of It blazed a trail that a lot of shows are following now to sort of being that meditation and kind of allowing these other things to creep in. And it's, and I think the second season of True Detective might be one of the biggest letdowns Mm, uh, I've ever had in media. You know, it's like (laughs) it's up there with you know the the Star Wars prequels and stuff. It's like uh, as disappointing as anything because that first season was so powerful and I was so into it and loved it so much. It is wonderful to see this series finally get back to being that kind of must watch hang on the edge of my seat. Incredible TV. Mm -hmm. I I absolutely love Jodie Foster in this, but you're right. The supporting uh, the rest of the cast is awesome too. The setting is awesome. I mean, it, it, it is tantalizing. You, you're trying to stay ahead of it. It, it is dripping with style. It's really great. And I can't help but compare it to my experience watching season five of Fargo right yes. now. Mm-hmm. Because it's very similar. Like a, a, a first season that was absolutely incredible. In, in Fargo's case, a second season that was also incredible. But then sort of letdowns. And also a, a show about a tantalizing mystery and, and kind of edge of your seat uh, stuff yeah. that has elements of the supernatural in it. Right? Uh, both of them
0: anthology shows yep. that are also uh, uh, cop-driven, essentially. Cop-driven. Like detective-driven Kind cop- of hints shows, of yeah.
1: supernatural stuff yeah. happening all the time. It's very similar. And I love that we're getting, you know, Fargo season five is wrapping up right as this is starting. So it, it just feels like the perfect... Uh, so you know, uh, antidote to my letdown <laughs> of Fargo ending It's like, oh, I got this uh, this show that fits right into that groove. It's um, al- it's
2: also another cold murder show, basically, and talk about a murder at the end of the world. We just got out of talking about that yeah. and. uh Wow, it's, we've just got you, you, banger after banger of you snowy we You mean literally murders. cold, like as in yeah, literally in, cold, in yeah, icy temperatures. Issa Lopez is talking about like making the show. She's like, "Why did I set it in like Alaska? Well, also, it shot it, in looks like it, was,
0: it looks like it was hell to make. It yeah. Looks oh yeah, like, all yeah. night shoots. It's yeah. gotta all, be just yeah. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they actually shot at that location, then not necessarily during night hours. I least,
1: suspect they did but... not shoot
2: in that location. <laughs> but they it... didn't shoot in, no, it was like Norway. I got to look up like exactly yeah. where they actually shot, but it, it was it was a European country, but I don't know if they had the full night. Uh, it didn't look like this has day for night. This looks no, like night. it was actually it looks shot shot like it was night. legit night.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'll say that I, I watched the first episode as well, um, covering it slowly on, on Decoding TV, and I think that... Uh, so I haven't seen I've seen less than you guys have, and I think uh, one of the great things about the show that I don't think you've really mentioned that much is the the setting feels it's so good. really accurate because everyone knows each other. Right. Like in, in yes. a small, small town, town. Yeah. in a small town uh, where you're in the middle of nowhere, everyone knows each other mm-hmm. and everyone's in each other's business. That's the Twin Peaks and thing, too. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of I've always found that to be like an interesting dynamic. I've never lived in a place like that. I've always wondered, like, what it would be like to live in a place like that. Sounds annoying. Honestly, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> totally listen, awful.
2: Dave, we both lived in Amherst, Massachusetts, which is not a very big place, you know, but it's not a tiny town. It's it definitely is one of those things where probably one hundred
0: times larger than this. Yes, one hundred <laughs> times larger. But it yeah, was than this
2: place compared so. to where even where I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. You know, that was a <laughs> tiny,
0: tiny place. So, mm, and everybody but, knew way too much about everybody. Mm, you know, but in yeah, uh, I, that's 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 fair. Uh, but yeah, yeah this uh, you know everyone knows each other, and that feels like the way that they bring the the town to life in this show feels very true to life and very mm-hmm. accurate. And I, I
1: agree. And it also- the native
0: experience, like as demonstrated here, and how
2: crucial it is. To this entire season, mm-hmm. um, I, I, it's fantastic. Love that.
1: It also uh, makes me think of the Christopher Nolan movie Insomnia, yes, which mm. is yep. yes. also set in Alaska. But the opposite thing is happening, where the sun is not going down. Mm. You know, which also happens there. But uh, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What,
2: what is what is the worst scenario to be where it's always night
1: or always sun? Yeah, actually, I let's, let's, let's way, talk about that. If, I if think you think it's guys, way worse to be where it's always sun,
0: yeah, yeah. Or
1: at least. At least <laughs> At least watching media about them, it seems <laughs> I don't know, no actual, you know, I'm just interpreting it Well, through. and one you can't
2: sleep, the other, like, you're just depressed
0: the
1: whole yeah. time. Yeah, so. if if you had to choose,
0: let, let's, do, let's do this at uh-huh, uh-huh. if you had to choose, would you be in a place where it was always sunny or always, I uh, would do always sunny, always In Philadelphia? I would do always
1: sunny, blackout curtains exist, come on. I guess, but man, yeah. watching that Nolan movie, it just feels he awful. had other problems
2: going on. I, don't, <laughs> I understand that. Gone. I understand
1: that. <laughs> Al Pacino is not, uh, yeah. you know, not well He's a adjusted. The... by yeah. by ghosts of the past. And still, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know.
0: I, <laughs> I would liked... choose. I would choose Always Night, of course. Uh, I really, think, I think because you can, in my opinion, it's easier to do things that simulate sun than that simulate night. I guess. I, I don't know. I don't it's, understand this. DaVinci makes a good the, point. I find, you know simulates warmth. night, uh, a, thi- a thing over your eyes. I find <laughs> the warmth and darkness. light of the sun oppressive sometimes,
1: okay? You do live in Seattle. Am I the so, only one? Yeah. You you it's, in, it's, this is a Seattleite speaking. I was on your side until I realized it was your side, and yeah. now, I'm, <laughs> now I'm going over to DaVinci's side. It yeah. does feel like it would be more convenient to have sunshine all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, you get stuff more stuff done. Get more done. I'd be so productive. And it's I think it would be it would be super depressing to always never see the sunlight mm-hmm. for long stretches of time. Mm-hmm. And is right. Like blackout curtains are effective. Eye masks. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I will tell you that In Seattle, that's that's kind of what it's like for about three months. uh, Is (laughs) I'm already living in it. There's a reason I ended up. You're not that far from Alaska, so you know. But yeah, for like winter months, it's it's extremely rare that the sun comes out. And when the sun comes out, everyone wants to be outside. like, Oh my god! You know, it's it's uh, 21 degrees outside. The sun is out for three hours. Everyone's like, "What a nice day outside
1: today, (laughs) dude!" Um, It's so funny. And I live in denver which has sun like 300 days a year it's like yeah. one of the most you like sunshine super
2: high elevation right yeah so, we, we yeah.
1: have wow. sunshine more we have more sunshine than than los angeles mm-hmm. okay
0: so and do you like that jeff or are you yes, like yes i oh, love okay.
1: it all right so then you definitely so feel would, like you definitely I, would be al pacino not in insomnia yeah. <laughs>
0: not,
1: uh, i was just too impacted by al pacino's horrible experience yeah.
0: That's pretty bad, you for are also yeah. tormented by your horrible past. Well, that's true. <laughs> Which podcast host did you murder, Jeff? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Exactly. Hillary Swanks got to come in and clear those, some things mm. up for you, Jeff. Um, okay, if I was the man
1: I was five years ago, <laughs> no, <that's not> <laughs> what? take a flamethrower <laughs> to
2: this, it's Robin place. Williams. Yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa,
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. but she's got a great ass. <laughs> Dave, right. that's true. <laughs> little, little window, little window into our uh, behind the scenes of the show. Dave before we start recording goes, "Jeff, are you likely to shout? Uh, what's the loudest you're going to be?" I'm like, yeah, well I'm uh, going to do al pacino so yeah. uh... What's your pacino
2: scale for this episode, Jeff?
0: <laughs>
1: we do uh,
0: I do a sound check to be like what's yeah, the scent loudest? Of a you woman Pacino. Get? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want it to be loud. Probably not that. Great ass. <laughs> <laughs> ah, heat Pacino. Raise that game. Yeah. Hoo-ah! Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is true Detective Night Country. Uh, a fairly decent Dunn conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that quickly devolved. Uh, it's on Max, the one to watch for HBO. It's one thing Devendra's been watching this week. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more of what we've been watching right after this. Jeff Canada, hit us up with something you've been watching this week.
1: I have uh, completed a series that was on Paramount Plus featuring Showtime. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, it is a, a show called The Curse, and this is an amazing piece of television. <laughs> Just a gobsmacking, incredible piece of television. I I think I like it more than the rehearsal, more than Nathan. Wow. For you. <clears throat> wow. I really do. Amazing. And I I love those shows. I love those shows. Um. Uh, this is Nathan Fielder, uh, teaming up with uh, Benny Safty to create this show, uh, which is um, <clears throat> a departure from the those other shows I mentioned in that it does not have any elements of reality tv except for the fact that the subject matter (laughs) is reality tv Uh Um, But it also has
0: kind of a reality tv aesthetic i would argue like Mm -hmm, mm
3: -hmm.
1: well it's it's a subject it's it's a it's a purely fictional piece of work but the way they shoot it the way they shoot it that's what i'm talking about is yeah
2: yes but it's very like very documentary style
1: yeah it's true but but you know the the rehearsal and nathan few like actually has non-actors in right. reality TV situations, yes, <clears throat> which this show does not. But the subject matter is a couple, uh, that, uh, Emma Stone and, and Nathan Fielder as a couple who are, uh, launching this reality show. But that is like, it's not, it's hard to describe the curse. I know Dave, you've been doing, uh, decoding TV about it. Um, so I'm sure you have more experience <laughs> trying to describe the show, but I think, week to week episode to episode it is it contains some of the most uh, some of the biggest turns and uh, just kind of what it's about what it's dealing with what it it's tackling <clears throat> there is a through line but more often i find that each episode is kind of this standalone meditation on some aspect of dark human impulse and no more uh, no, there's no better example of that than the season finale, which I won't even get a whiff of spoiling Mm. because the season finale of the curse is one of the most extraordinary television episodes I've ever seen. And there's nothing that can prepare you for it. There's nothing that, there's no hints in the earlier episodes of what's coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. It it just arrives. And first of all, the finale starts with an entire episode of a different show inside <laughs> it. <laughs> mm-hmm. A show, not the show that's been <laughs> seated in the series at any point. It's like literally just a different show happens and you watch it and you're wondering why. And, and, and then the show just completely goes bonkers. And I sat there watching this just in awe of the audacity, of the imagination, of of the sort of just artistic boldness that these creators have. And, and, and just like, you've got, evidently you've got, Free reign to do anything you want, and they went here. It is I am in awe of it. i, I really am. I just think it is the one of the most brazen, interesting, you know, Safty's character in it is wild, um the whole, I, Dave, I'm sure you are more articulate about this show than I, but i I'm literally. Very rarely am I at a loss for words. Yeah, the you, curse. You,
0: you usually, I usually, uh, you're usually not dumbstruck by you know. You usually have lots I, of
1: articulate, <laughs> enthusiastic things to say about something like this. I am um, dumbstruck by the curse. I, it, yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. I am. I sort of stand in, 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 you know, at its at its feet and look up at it and don't know what what superlatives to to throw at it. I yeah. just think it is it is a must watch it's unlike anything else it's uncomfortable it's bizarre it's challenging but it is essential viewing it is it is speaking to our time in a way that is really really bold really uh i think insightful um scathing i, I you know it it takes no prisoners <laughs> it's it's a really an amazing work i think
0: yeah yeah uh I, I agree with all that stuff first of all Jeff, I'm glad you like the finale. the finale is I would say very polarizing uh I can I, understand I, that I think a I, lot of people I would say from, from what I've read like
1: half and half well half you're in a people, you're yeah. in a completely different thing all of a yeah. sudden yeah it's yeah. not doing anything that it had been doing before yeah. at any point like from the <laughs> word go from the right. you know the 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 title of the episode is something like Six months later, or three months later, or something like that. The title of the episode is Green Queen, by the way. FY. But, but like dot 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 three months later, or six months later. I don't think so. But I believe it is. Um, At least that's what it said on my Paramount Plus featuring Showtime (laughs) app.
0: (laughs) All right. Anyway. Anyway, so so,
1: but so you are sort of temporally. Different and the characters are behaving very differently than they have behaved up to that point, and what you're doing is different. And then the show just gets really different. So I can understand it being such a whiplash moment that it would be off putting to some. I loved it, loved it because of how audacious it is and how just um, unexpected. And uh, I don't know, you you talk now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no worries. I think uh, I love this show as well. And, you know, a lot of people didn't like the finale. My wife didn't like the finale. She said, for her, the show ended at episode nine. I think that's fair. episode 10 is a whole different thing. And arguably, I would say, you could actually just watch episode 10 separately on its own. And it would be an incredible hour of television. Agreed. (laughs) Um, But uh, I would probably watch the first episode so you know the premise. But yeah, uh, I think the show is great. I think... It's really about t- two things, and I, I will only say one of them because I think the other one is quasi spoiler. But the first one I would say is it is about uh, the the danger, the obliviousness of well-meaning liberal white people is what I would say. It, it is a takedown of uh, of that, and yeah.
1: or, or to say it a different way, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Sure.
0: Yes, Um, but yeah, and and that's that's that is primarily the target of the show up through much of the last episode, I would argue. Yes. Um, So and and to that extent, it is uncomfortable and awkward and cringe and basically all the things I love to watch in the work of Nathan Fielder uh and to a lesser extent betty Safety. so i was a big fan of this show and Uh,
1: emma stone is phenomenal this is the best
0: work i've ever seen emma stone do she she is better in this show than poor things in my opinion well Uh, i don't know about that but i think think she's
1: equally good
0: (laughs) i would say i think the 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 stuff she's asked to do is much more subtle in this movie in this uh, show than in poor things and i think she acquits herself wonderfully wonderfully uh it's incredible just to watch her work in this show. Like, honestly, you should, you should watch this show just to see Emma stone in it. So anyway, uh, I was a little bit more mixed on the finale than you, but, uh, I, I, I tend to fall on the positive side. So, uh, I think the show is worth checking out, but it, it, it's also a show that I have a lot of difficulty recommending to people because I think a lot of people won't like the finale. You know, I think a lot of people
1: won't feel like it's worth the journey. So here's what I think and feel free to disagree, but I, I do think if you watched episodes one through nine and stopped, it would feel like a complete-
0: 100%.
1: So I feel 100%. like this is yep. almost a, like a, a, an a epilogue. Bonus
0: DVD special feature of- uh, Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh,
1: what if this happened? You know, <laughs> right. what, what if this crazy, bizarre addendum to this already sort of complete story? So that's why I felt like it. it's not that it- didn't satisfyingly conclude mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's that it 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 concluded and then there was this and it's like what? what what i it's it's that's why it didn't feel unsatisfying to me it felt like we got this kind of like you said a bonus extra thing that is just an a piece of art
0: <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. Divendra, did you are you caught up with this? Where are you in this show? Not at all. I have yeah. been in Night Country, folks, for the yeah, past couple yeah, yeah. weeks. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah I it's, will it's catch it's up. Worth checking out, uh, at least you know if you're into weird ass shit like Jeff and I are, and uh, and yeah, this is it, it is a great work of art that is worth yeah. considering, I think. Yeah, uh, and also, uh, it's uh, I, I gotta say, it's sad what's happened to Showtime. They are now just Paramount Plus with Showtime, uh, but. In in its time, they did fund some really interesting stuff. They did. They also did Twin Peaks: The Return, mm-hmm. uh, which is I, I would argue equally, if not more bizarre, in many ways than this than this show. Also, you know? one of the greatest works of you
2: know right. TV ever made. You yeah, know? one Just
0: one, one could argue. So it's like. Uh, so you gotta you gotta give them props for reading a, a show like The Curse in script form and saying we're gonna give tens of millions of dollars so they can make this you mm-hmm. know and I, I appreciate I mean, that so I
2: kind of feel that way just watching Night Country and True Detective 2. is it's yeah we do shit on these companies a lot for when they make very <laughs> dumb decisions and when WB makes idiotic yeah. decisions but the people who are like you know getting different filmmakers and letting them like tell these stories and just giving them full reign to be weird. I think like that, that is what led to true prestige TV, you mm-hmm. know, and it I is agree. still nice to see that happening
0: a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, a lot of this stuff that we're watching now was greenlit before all the Zaslav stuff happened. Absolutely. But, but yes, I agree. You know, I was listening to this interview with Noah Hawley, who did Fargo, and he was, he said something along the lines of, you know, for those of us who are storytellers, it's oh, our yeah. obligation it's our obligation to trick people into giving us money so we can make these stories. This is true. I'm sure, I feel like
2: Noah Holly is the person who has, like, a, he walks around with a business card that just says storyteller on it. no <laughs> yeah. No other information. Such indeed. A, indeed. That's, <clears throat> anyway, it's
1: such a pet peeve of mine that, 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 that <laughs> you see, like, somebody's,
2: you know, hey man, you're loving his new Fargo, Jeff. You were eating up him. what he's putting down. So. I love him. I'm just saying. Yeah, that, yeah. That I do have this
0: experience sometimes where I, I'm. I watch someone's work. Yeah. And then. Then you I'm hear like, them speak. And then I hear them, I hear an interview, <laughs> and I'm like less inclined. No, no, no. This happened. Yeah. Th- th- there's a movie that made my top 10. I'm not going to say which one. Um, but there was a movie that made my top ten, and I was like, "Oh my god!" The, when I saw this movie, I thought to myself, "Oh my, incredible insight!" From and then I listened to the interview, and I, I was like, "Oh, oh. man!" I, well, I'm now we know how you felt about Saltburn, uh, really. I'm, question- <laughs> I'm really questioning whether <laughs> I know it's uh, Saltburn. Come on, Saltburn was
1: not in my top ten to be yeah, 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 I want to um, <laughs> be clear that I was not insulting <laughs> Noah Hawley. I was yeah. more speaking to the people uh, who you know mm-hmm. you'll see like a. Like a social media profile, right. and corporate like, storyteller. I, I was definitely Stella, insulting storyteller. storyteller. Yeah, and I'm like, I want to be cannot. clear. I was definitely insulting Noah Hawley. So <laughs> um, cool. Before we get completely off of the curse, I want to ask you, Dave. Uh, you, it sounds to me that you rate it below the rehearsal and others of his.
0: I, I think so. Yeah, because I think that uh, the rehearsal and Nathan for you both had. Trans like transcendently good endings, uh, and I think that this was a really intre- this was a really great hour of television. The finale, but I don't think it was a good ending for the show personally. So okay, that's fair.
1: Um, yeah. I I put it higher mostly because while it does contain lots of cringe, uh, to use that phrase that I don't particularly love either, but uh, it does contain that kind of feeling of of uncomfortable watching. It doesn't have the thing that I always have a hard time with with his work in particular, which is like, are these real people being right. duped? Are yeah, these real yeah, yeah, people yeah. being- That's very fair. Mm-hmm. Is this being it's kind of unfair to these actual humans who mm-hmm. gave their time? And is he making yeah. fun of- Like all of the the fact that this is actually a fictional scripted show- Yeah, yeah. Relieves me of that burden and I'm, allows me to enjoy it even more.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's completely fair. Completely fair. By the way, the, the final episode, just for the f- factual record, is called Green Queen. There's no six weeks later or anything like that.
1: How dare you. Just wanted How to
0: how dare you um, check
1: me?
0: Uh, oh, I see. But I see. It says on on the on the homepage, it says Green Queen, and then under it, months later, season finale. That's what it says. So Thank you. uh but uh, the title is Green Queen. Anyway, The Curse is available right now on Paramount Plus with Showtime. The well, we'll one checked that up as we're both right. Mm-hmm. Uh Paramount Plus with uh, Showtime, and uh it is a show that is really interesting and well worth checking out. And that's something that Jeff Kanata has been watching this week. All right, let's talk about uh, something else I've been watching this week. I watched a movie called Memory. Uh, this is a movie starring Peter Sarsgaard and Jessica Chastain. It's out in limited release right now. Have you guys heard of this movie by any chance? Mm-hmm. I, I have seen the poster several times. And I
2: look at that, and I'm like, that movie looks sad.
3: <laughs> like
2: <laughs> S-A-D. How sad is it, Dave?
0: Oh, it's quite sad. It seems <laughs> so sad. <laughs> well, if I recall, that's somebody's yeah. checkbox. Yeah, that's a, that's my checkbox. Uh this movie is, is notable because Peter Sarsgaard won, I think, the Best Actor Award from the Venice Film Festival, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Something, some award from the Venice Film Festival. Uh, and essentially, it's about these two characters, their lives colliding with each other, and also one of them has dementia, uh, and how they kind of deal with that situation. Look, I think Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard are... Two of our greatest actors. I think they do a great job in this film. I am really interested in stuff, uh, in in dementia and end of life circumstances. It's something Mm. that I spend a lot of time watching movies about and thinking about and you know i i think i'm probably the only person my age that i know that has like my advanced directives all set you know i like, have
2: something ready for you soon dave so <laughs> just wait okay is it that my death? like
1: threat yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah <to laughs> death. Is it's your it? <laughs> death <doom. laughs> um
0: but uh so so i'm kind of interested i'm predisposed to be interested in the topic i talked about uh the eternal memory in our bonus mm-hmm. uh, after dark mm-hmm. last week that was a documentary that is available right now that I think you should watch. It's about these two people who uh, grow old together. This is a documentary about two people who grow old together, and one of them has dementia, and, and about how difficult it is to care for someone in that situation. Um, so I, I'm predisposed to be interested in the topic. Uh, but sadly, I didn't love this movie that much. Again, great great performances, right? Like I'm talking about movies that have things that I really appreciate about them. This week, that I didn't like that much, this movie has great performances. Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard are wonderful in this film. Uh, but this is a movie that's kind of a uh, slice of life, right? Where you kind of intersect these characters at a you know kind of a crucial point in their lives where something interesting happens, and then, and then the movie ends, and then that's it. You know, you're kind of like, oh, I'm part of their lives for a little bit, and then it's over. It's kind of like a snapshot of what's going on. Um, doesn't feel even necessarily like the most consequential part of their lives it's just kind of like here's a a part you know it's almost like how transient our memories are right potentially potentially uh anyway i wasn't a fan of kind of the the narrative of the film but i was a fan of how the movie kind of handles some of the subject matter and of course the performances so uh, another mixed bag for me but something that's worth checking out if you are like we have very few movies that explore this topic at all uh, so the fact that it does, I think is n- notable. And the fact that I said, great, great talent behind it, uh, means it's worth a mention for me. It's memory. It's out in limited release right now. Speaking of end of life stuff, to figure out hardware Yeah. Tell us about something you've been watching this week.
2: Yeah. Picture me like that meme of the guy behind the tree. Just like rubbing his hands, licking his lips, like "Oh, I got something for you." So I got something <laughs> coming. <laughs> yes. How about how about government instituted euthanasia for elderly people in Japan? Yeah, I was I, I was gonna watch this movie. I was it was literally yeah. on my list. Uh, it just hit you... Criterion.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, it's yeah. a, a, a
2: Criterion's d- been doing bangers. They're of crushing just like it. Great crushing it. new releases. Yeah. So I was watching. Uh, I've watched Plan 75, which is a 2022 film. Yeah. And I don't even know. It did get a theatrical release in the US, but I've heard nothing about this movie last year. I do remember there was some coverage around it in 2022. And um I thought it is it was a, a. I want to say it was a Sundance film, if I'm not mistaken. I but don't maybe remember it being a Sundance, yeah. but yeah. I I don't know. Uh this is a debut film by Chie Hayakawa, and it is set in like a near future Japan where Essentially, what Japan like fast forward what is going to happen to Japan in ten or fifteen years? But a country that is facing severe economic issues because it has way too many seniors. Like it is, it's a population like um, you know balance is just way off because they have a, a many many older people. Um, the argument the movie makes and that the government is making is that they're kind of a strain on the economy. So they came up with this idea of Plan Seventy Five, which is. Once they hit 75, uh, you could take, um, you could basically voluntarily kill yourself for the betterment of your country. And that is the basic setup of this movie. Um, you know, the, the elderly who do this, uh, they get like a thousand, the equivalent of like a thousand dollars to spend, however they see fit. And then they just go die and then they, they help their country, right? That, that should work. Um, this movie feels uh, spiritually, maybe maybe not like directly, but spiritually like similar to like the setup of Battle Royale, which is mm. another thing of like, hey, economic hardship. So let's kill kids on TV to make the country feel better, right? Um, this one is, hey, we we do not have enough money and it would be great if uh, some of these old people just went away. And it, it's a movie that's kind of fascinating because it's more than just uh, the idea of euthanasia. It's about, what a society owes to its elderly, mm. especially to a society that is so disproportionately made up of elderly people. I believe like I got to look at the numbers here, but it was it was a very large amount. I believe it was like one third of Japanese at this point are more, over more than 10
0: percent of Japan's population is now 80 or older. Uh, according yeah. to that's pretty records. bad. I'm looking at yeah. stats
2: here from two years ago. Close to one third of the country's population yeah. is 65, 65 or older. 65 or
0: older, yeah. That's Japan huge. has
2: more centenarians per capita than any other nation. One out of five people over 65 in Japan live alone. They also have the highest proportion of people suffering from dementia, so I'm reading from an article uh, about this movie in the New york Times from twenty twenty two so Japan is like on a basically on a path towards a lot of issues around how they handle the elder elderly and I think this movie brings up a lot of interesting ideas uh mainly because like the idea of this this plan is just such like a bureaucratic nightmare right it, mm-hmm. you almost feel like somebody somewhere looking at the numbers like okay we have way too many old people we don't have enough money you know less old people means more money right (laughs) and like they come up with this plan to do it and i hear that um from the director the director also says like japan is kind of a country where um if people think what the government is asking if people if the government asks you to do something a lot of people culturally will do it because they do think it's going to help out society. So the director, too, was also thinking about... Yeah, there's like, a
0: collectivist yes, uh, sort of culture in Mm -hmm. uh, certain Asian cultures have uh, more like we're all in this together as opposed to uh, the very individualistic culture that we have in America,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Like if this plan were proposed in America, we (laughs) would have a violent overthrow again. Mm,
0: Yes, yes, Yes. it would
2: actually happen. (laughs) Um, Because, yeah, that's not the way America works. But also it's a really interesting insight into the way Japan works, too, because I'm not going to spoil too much, but this movie starts off in a way uh, basically highlighting somebody who thinks old people are the problem. It doesn't start in the way it, you would expect a movie that I'm describing like this starts out. So anyway, it uh, this film intersects uh, three different people: uh, an elderly woman who you know has a job, has a small group of friends, lives alone, um, but seems to be finding her life to be more and more meaningless, especially as um, you know as life gets more difficult and as her friends start dying. Um, there's also a really young man, like a pretty young 20 something dude who works for plan 75 and basically spends his days trying to recruit seniors. Hey, come kill yourselves, folks. The government is asking you to, (laughs) and he's really well-dressed. He really, like he, he treats it like a very good little bureaucrat. Like he gets his numbers. He does a very good job of like collecting people. And like, it seems like he's doing very good at his job. And the movie also centers on, um, There's a Filipina uh, worker, um, like a medical worker or elderly assistant who ends up working at Plan 75 and directly works with these people, too. And she is I think like she is also like more directly confronting the fact that this is inhumane. This is she is walking through rows and rows of hospital beds where these people are just going to die you know, uh, because they think it'll help the government because they really, a lot of people don't have much else to look out for. So I think this film is a really interesting exploration of like what a society like Japan may have to do eventually, but also of the viability of euthanasia. Um, Certainly not as, it's not saying like it's all bad, but I do think like a government directive to do this uh, is, is so sad and so dystopian. But also these societies also owe the elderly citizens a lot more. Um, there are a lot in this movie specifically, like there are people saying like, oh yeah, I have not talked to my kids in, you know, years uh, elderly people saying they've never seen their grandkids. And there are situations where like people just don't, don't really take care of the elderly in their life as much because it's, it's a burden, right? They're a burden. And I think that's part of the reason they, uh, the government thinks people will do this too, is that the elderly think that, you know, they'll be less of a burden on their family. But it's just so sad. And it is, um, an exploration of life. It's like, it's an exploration of like what you think you have left once you hit that age. Like, are you, are you done? Do you have life left? Do you think you can give anything to this world? Like it's, it's fascinating. Um, it reminds me of like an Ozu film. It reminds mm. me of something like Tokyo story as well. And, um, I just found it like deeply, deeply interesting. And, um, It is life-affirming, even if the subject matter is so sad and something we're all going to have to think about at some point, you know, like it's not just for us, but also for our parents and other people in our families. And it, it frightens me, you know, I'm glad you have your affairs in order, Dave, but the idea of like living through that or what my parents will have to live through to me, that's the frightening part Mm -hmm. because we don't know what the support structures are going to be like or anything. Um, So anyway, plan 75, very sad movie, but also Life affirming at the same time, so it's like this is how I like my hopelessness with like a tinge of t- okay, a tinge okay, of hope. maybe tinge you can't of have, hope.
0: You can't have the hopelessness without the hope, you know. Exactly, you can't you can't just do one hundred percent hopelessness.
2: Otherwise, you're just in a Loris von Trier movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's Plan seventy five. This sounds like it's right up my alley. To be it good. is so right up I'm,
2: your alley, I'm and, and de- uh, Jeff, out. I think you will appreciate it a lot too. Like it is, it's a fascinating film. It's really well made, and I do want to say this is this director's first movie. Mm. I was just reading that New York times uh, interview. Like she went to night school at like 36 to learn about filmmaking, you know, and she's somebody who always liked movies, but she's a mother. She's a, she works during the day. And also her, her, the story of her even making this and getting into movie making is kind of hopeful too. like doing night school at 36 with two kids and a full-time job. And she ended up like making a student film that was selected by um, by Sundance, I believe, or Cannes. And like she was able to make this thing. So also there's a bit of hope in the fact that this movie even exists, you know? Indeed,
0: indeed. Um, yeah, it was a Cannes Film Festival, not Sundance, by the way. I do, I do want to clarify yep, that. Yep. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, uh, impressive debut feature. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Criterion, just subscribe
2: uh, to Criterion, people. Yep. Do the annual pass. It's totally worth it.
0: That's something that Devinder has been watching this week. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something else you've been watching.
1: I don't need to talk too much about this. I just wanted to uh, point folks to the fact that there are new bluey episodes that just debuted here in the United States on uh, Disney plus. I I absolutely adore bluey. I think it's one of the greatest television series ever made. Certainly the the best children's television children's cartoon I've ever seen. Um, And I don't, know how they managed to keep the, the quality up consistently like this. Uh, There's, I think it's either eight or 10 new episodes that just hit Uh, my family devoured them uh, immediately and have been rewatching them. I have cried multiple times in those new episodes as I often do with, with bluey episodes. My son decided he wants to play cricket (laughs) because of it.
2: Uh, that's more and more of a thing I see cricket clubs everywhere now cricket
1: yeah it's it's invading the United States follow your Indian uh, your Indian community Jeff. they will have it yeah Yeah. Um, anyway you know Bluey is magic it's beautiful it's amazing it's life affirming if you have kids uh, it is essential if you don't have kids it's still worthwhile Uh, these are just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, episodes. And the fact that there's more of them and they keep coming. And the fact that bluey is, you know, I feel like when I first started bringing up bluey, it was like, everybody's got hurt hear about mm-hmm, the show. Mm-hmm, and now mm-hmm. it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there was, Bluey a, has taken over. There was yeah. a bluey Macy's Thanksgiving parade <laughs> v- balloon. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it is everywhere. You can get any kind of merchandise you want. Now it's, it, I'm so happy to see it getting the kind of mainstream uh, success that it deserves. Uh, so anyway, there's more of them, and they're wonderful, and they continue to be wonderful. So great stuff.
0: And uh, is Disney Plus the way you usually watch the Blue episodes stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, that's Bluey. Something else, Jeff canada has been watching. All right, uh, we are getting a little bit long in the way we're watching, but I-, I will mention one other movie. And Davinder, you got a couple other things to mention. Um, I had a chance to watch Monster. Uh, this is the latest film by director Hirokazu uh, Koreeda. This nice. is the guy who dur- nice. who made Shoplifters, which I think was a movie that we all quite enjoyed when it came Loved out a couple of years yeah. ago. Right? Um, this is his newest film. Uh, and this was recommended to me by a good friend of the show and something I should watch before the top 10 uh, of the year. And uh, it has it, it is extremely well-reviewed. It has something like 95% Ron Tomato, or something like that. And a lot of people seem to really like this movie. I think this movie is has a really important subject matter and message, which I is will it, not even reveal what it is. Is this the movie uh, that
1: asks, can Charlize Theron be ugly? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a different one.
0: Oh, Came oh. out in 2023 uh, and it's a Japanese film. So, so yeah, I, I think this movie has a really important message that I think is worth considering. And also I found the movie maddening in its construction. Essentially, it tells one story from multiple perspectives, right? It's kind of Rashomon style. Like we're telling one story, but from different perspectives. And in general, I think that's kind of interesting when the different perspectives can illuminate different aspects or different themes of, of the same story. But in this case, while that's true, that does happen in this movie. It's primarily used to withhold plot details from the audience and that I found to be really frustrating. And I just was really annoyed by that. I th- I thought, like, it's kind of felt like to me to be a very frustrating way to tell this particular story, which, again, I think is really valuable and worth considering. Um, so I didn't love the movie, but a lot of people did. And... Again, I, I, I'm trying to be super vague about what I'm saying about this movie because I know it's probably not going to be available for streaming for another couple months. So I don't want to say too much about it. Uh, but I, I do think it has like a, a really touching, important story that is kind of in this structure that I found to be really frustrating. So anyway, those are my overall thoughts on Monster. I, I, just, I won't say too much about it, but um, it's a movie that I think will be available for uh, streaming or purchase sometime this year. And uh and anything by Coriata, worth considering, you know, because he's a genius, yeah. He's a really, really talented guy. So all right. Uh Monster is another movie I've been watching. Davindra, what have you been watching this week?
2: Yeah, real quick, I just want to say the other thing that has been helping me recover from CES is The Brother's Son, the new show on Netflix, uh, co-created by Brad Falchuk, Ryan Murphy's guy, you know, who's done like 911 and all of his shows. Um, uh, but also by Byron Wu and Amy Wang. And uh it is um it's it's kind of it's a fun martial arts show. You know, it's a fun show about. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. It's an action comedy, and in fact, it often reminds me of like classic Jackie Chan stuff at times. It's basically about a uh, two brothers. Uh, one is like the new head of a Taipei triad who has to go to LA to protect his mother, played by Michelle Yeoh, and uh, his younger brother, who doesn't really know him. And his younger brother, not a badass gangster. In fact. An Improv guy, somebody Jeff would probably hang out with, yes. you know, just a total dork.
1: Yeah, um, thanks, I appreciate that. And I, that th- is, these the, are my uh, people, that's your people.
2: Uh, but th- that's it, that's the essential thing. Like this odd couple who are brothers, and there's a lot of action, there's a lot of like gangster stuff, and uh, I think it's a ton of fun.
1: Like the show is just so much fun. Are you digging it, Jeff? Very much so, yes. It's really fun. So I clicked on this thinking, oh, we're gonna get like this hard-boiled, mm-hmm, b- mm-hmm. grizzled martial arts show. And the first scene has this gag with the British baking show. Yes. That is, I'm like, oh, I know what kind of show we're in here. And the this the is- gangster, by the way, wants to be a baker. He's
2: a very good chef.
1: <laughs> yes, so. it's delightful. Like the, the show immediately flags itself as being fun and funny and not taking itself too seriously. And I am down for it. It, it is, uh, it's really fun. And it's, it like, doesn't, it's not afraid of being goofy. It's not afraid of being just silly. It, it is. I love it. I love mixing some really f- excellent martial arts action choreography with some clever stuff. Like does, you know, it'll do stuff with how the, the, the fights are shot. It'll mm-hmm. do stuff with, you know, the subject matter of the fights. And it, it's just, Tongue firmly planted in cheek, having a great time, and I I think that wonderful. You, you need to
2: see the show, Dave, because yeah, you'll this love is very it. much like the the and honestly, it's the classic Hong Kong stuff that we don't talk about. You know, the just like the B level movies that are not the classics. You know, but I think still a lot of fun. They certainly took up a lot of my childhood, and I think uh, you'd appreciate the also like the immigrant story going on here too, Dave. So yeah, it's kind yeah, yeah. of fun. The only my, the thing I will say against the show is that I have seen most of the episodes so far. Michelle Yo has not lifted a finger and I don't know if they're saving it for like the very, very end. It's like, I she's going to do something. I know she's going to do something, but right now she's playing a mom who essentially knows of the gangster business and is a tough, you know, tough lady, but not a fighter. And she's just being a mom, you know, being a gangster mom. That's also fun. So
0: it makes it worth watching. I've heard great things. Uh, a friend of mine actually worked on the show. Uh, so oh, nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out, uh, but it's the brother's son. And it is available right now. Netflix, one of the top shows on Netflix, as far as I'm sure. Concerned. So, yeah. Devendra, you have one last thing to mention for what we're watching, right? Yeah,
2: one last thing uh, I want to talk about, which is actually very, um, I guess, apropos of our main review. But I watched another violent revenge action movie mm. this week uh, called Mayhem. Mayhem with an exclamation mark. Uh, this, <laughs> is this is a, a Joe movie. Lynch movie, right? Yeah, it's a, not the Joe Lynch movie. Oh. Uh, the exclamation mark is what makes it different.
3: <laughs> uh, this,
2: that's why it's mayhem! <laughs> not mayhem. Um, this is a movie directed by Xavier Gens. Uh, oh, he is, okay. a, you know, the French action director. I believe he did Hitman. Didn't he do Hitman? Um, yeah. but Hitman. Hit No, it was just Hitman. Oh, right. Sadie. Yeah, it Hitman. was actually a sad the, the emoji. Timothy,
0: Timothy Oliphant. Timothy, Timothy Oliphant's right. Hitman. Not, sad emoji. Not the Rupert, what's his name, one. Yeah. Uh, Rupert Friend, right? He's the other Rupert Rupert Friend. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this
2: is a movie about um, a guy who's coming out of prison, um, who's just trying to, you know, get back to his normal life, but he is thrust into bad things happening. He relocates to Thailand. Also, this man kicks ass. So he kicks ass for a living. He's trying to rebuild his life. Uh, a character named Sam, uh, played by Nassim, lies, and he is a very good fighter. He does uh, fighting, you know, to, to raise some money. He works uh, in, a, in an airport and he's trying to earn money to, you know, support his family, build a nice house. Um, yeah, Obviously, obviously things go bad. Obviously a big mistake happens and, you know, it just it turns to shit for him. And the star of the show. Is really Nassim lies in his action and the stuff Xavier Gens and his um, you know, his stunt choreographers come up with. I think there are some really great fight sequences in this one. This is very much a run-of-the-mill action movie that tries to build up some heart, you know, like it's very much like the first John Wick, where you spend like a good chunk of time before you're watching a lot of action. You're building up this guy and you want to care for him. Uh, you want him to have a good life, but you know, crime does not allow him to do, to do that. And, uh, I think it's very good. The only, the downside is that so much of the movie lies on, uh, Nassim lies. And do you guys remember watching the early John Claude Van Damme movies? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Where it's like, man, that guy can do splits. (laughs) He can split, he can kick high and, uh, he has a decent amount of charisma, but if you ask him to be dramatic Mm -hmm. or show emotion, or anything, just didn't. I think he matured into a really interesting actor. But early on, I mean, even Bloodsport era, John Claude Van Damme, like, was not as dynamic of an actor as we probably would have liked. Um, but watching this movie, I honestly um, was, was begging for Bloodsport era John Claude Van Damme <laughs> because Nassim lies is a lot happens to him in this movie, and he just does not emote. Like, stone-faced man, uh, bad things happening to his family, bad things happening to his daughter and to his wife, uh, him himself being tr- tremendously hurt. Um, just just nothing. Just not much, like, being expressed there, which kind of just hurt the movie, I think, overall. But as a as a revenge action movie, I think it's pretty well made and a very good companion to the beekeeper. But I will say I had more fun watching the beekeeper.
0: But you can check mm. out Mayhem. It's on video on demand right now. I've heard about this movie. I've heard it's fun. Uh It's fun. It's fun. Ter- terrible SEO. You know, I Google mayhem Very bad. mark. SEO. It is not anywhere on the first page of Google results. <laughs> Don't
2: Well, in uh, other countries it's called Farang, yeah. which is I think yeah, the yeah, Thai yeah, yeah. word for a foreigner, and
0: they just yeah. didn't do that
2: here because they're like, ah, that's Well, uh, there's Americans already another There's
0: that. already a martial arts movie called The
1: Foreigner. Yes, it's uh, true. With Jackie Chan in it, so. And they
2: couldn't just called it Farang, so yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. They right. they did the same thing I do when I need a new password. Is that an exclamation point <laughs> at your end, <head? laughs> Dave, Jeff, you're
2: OPSEC. Do not leak your OPSEC.
0: Come on. At one of my old companies, there was a thing where like if oh, yeah. 80% of your password was the same as a pre- previous password, they wouldn't allow it. <laughs> um, That's actually so, pretty good because I yeah. also do the last character
2: thing yeah. because it's uh, changing your passwords is not not good OPSEC actually, yeah. <laughs> at least doing yeah. it super frequently, yeah.
0: All right, well, that is what we've been watching this week. A lot of stuff for you all to check out, and uh, we hope you do. All right, let's get to some weekly plugs. Weekly. weekly Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making... I want to throw a shout out for my free newsletter, Decoding Everything, at decodingeverything.com. Do you like listening to our top 10 choices, but don't like hearing us talk about them? (laughs) If so, that's really, if so, right that's now. really weird that you're listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah. I thought it's you were going to say, do you like listening <laughs> to our top 10 choices, but don't want to hear what Davindra or Jeff have yeah, to say? exactly.
0: <laughs> do you
2: want to hear it. Dave's
0: top 10 choices again in blog form? Yeah, that's right. That is exactly right. Yeah. my top 10 choices in blog form, go to decodingeverything.com. Uh, you can find a written version as well as all the other stuff that I'm up to and thinking about these days. I can't wait to hear Check what's it. your number one, Dave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm waiting with bated breath. It Uh-oh. would be hilarious if it was just a completely different list.
0: <laughs> that has happened before. That has happened before where uh, it has been a different published list than what I've said on the Shenanigans. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, lists
0: change all the time, guys. Like, one. Or, sometimes I'll watch movies between the time that I make one list and the other. So it, it has happened. But, I, you know, minor spoiler, um, all the movies are the same. So I'm not going to, like, try to tease you with that. Anyway, uh, decodingeverything.com, my free newsletter. Check it out. Subscribe. Uh, it's the best way to keep in touch with everything I'm up to. And I'll probably be posting stuff from Sundance in the next couple of weeks. So uh, be sure to subscribe at decodingeverything.com.
1: Your Dave, Dave is pivoting to text. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your weekly plug. Sure. I want to point everybody
2: to the Engadget podcast. Uh, we just did an episode wrapping up CS 2024. So if you didn't want to read all the little bit of news stories, uh, I chatted with my co-host uh, Sherlyn Lowe, who actually went to the show and she was on the show floor telling me about like the coolest things she saw. I covered a lot of stuff remotely, too. So check out the episode. We talk about AI PCs and a lot of cool gadgets and what's up with the new TVs and stuff. And I reiterate why AK, and we probably need to just keep doing this every year, guys. AK. Don't don't invest in 8K TVs. Too many don't Ks. Even, don't even look at 8K <laughs> technology right now. It is a waste of your time and your money. Yeah, but I want that translucent one. I mean, I know you do. Jeff.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Give me that translucent TV. You got to save money for the Vision Pro, Jeff. I, I
0: definitely do. <laughs> I definitely. <laughs> do. Oh wow, yeah, that's going uh, pre-order that's this, soon. this that's week. That's very soon. Right? <laughs> pre-order Friday. this week, I think. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug.
1: Hey, did you uh, enjoy hearing Jordan Miner on with us on this very podcast talking about, uh, I think it was American fiction that he came on? Yes, that's right. really wonderful guest. I roped him into being on my other podcast as well uh, because he's written a book about video games. And so he joined me on my video game podcast DLC this week talking about all kinds of cool stuff. He talked about the new uh, Prince of Persia game, which Mm. sounds phenomenal. It's about to hit. Uh, We talked about uh, an early early hands-on with the Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League game. Lots of really juicy stuff. Really great guest. Uh, You can find it all at dlcpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. It's a show called DLC. It's episode 530.
0: All right. And I do want to throw a shout out to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. We covered so much stuff on the Patreon this last month that we couldn't fit into the regular show. Reviews Mm -hmm. of Saltburn, The Holdovers, Maestro, and so much more. Uh, Of course, we never want anyone to become a patron or donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. You can always support us for free. Leave a star rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Share about the show on social media. It really does help. Usually here on the filmcast, cast, uh, this would be the part where I introduce our review this week. But uh, it's actually not going to be a review. It's actually going to be everyone's favorite segment of Uh-oh. the show. Oh. Here we go. Davis B. Movies. B. Movies. Davis B. Movies. The movies that he wanted to see earlier, but he could in theaters, <laughs> and now they're out of video on
2: demand.
0: You can finally use it. That's right, everyone. It's the re- Oh. <laughs> sorry, didn't mean for it to play again. That's right, everyone. It's the return of everyone's favorite segment, Dave's B movies. only this one the best use. I of that suspected song why one.
1: you pushed so hard for this to be a main review. <laughs> I suspected that's what we were in for. And you know uh, the, the 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 lyrics are a little uh, misnomer this time. You didn't have to wait for it on demand. That's you know? true.
0: That's true. You know, I, I couldn't get Noah to rewrite the. Uh, The theme song for this specific case, but (laughs) it it was too good to not use. Today's review of the film cast is going to be of The Beekeeper. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from the internet. One man's brutal campaign for vengeance takes on national stakes after it's revealed he's a former operative of a powerful and clandestine organization known as Beekeepers.
1: This movie... Just a, a, a little a message to any <laughs> aspiring filmmakers out there. If you want our powerhouse podcast to cover your movie, just make it about bees in some way. <laughs> Listen, so Jerry Dave Seinfeld knew play what was up. Yeah. He
2: made the bee movie, you know?
1: <laughs> That's right.
3: I, I
2: have to we're going to review like, it.
0: There's been some really good bee movies uh, <laughs> in the last few. You know, yes. uh, uh, Honeyland. Is, yeah. is a movie that came out in 2019? Incredible. That was one of my favorite movies of that year. Uh-huh. So I, I am into B movies and also B movies. <laughs> it's a true story. Okay. Anyway. DeVindre Hardware. Uh, what did you think about The Beekeeper?
2: Um I'm here to say yes, the Bees. Unlike the, the Nicolas Cage meme, not the Bees. Um, I, I freaking <laughs> Freaking love this movie. I think this movie is a ton of fun. It is incredibly dumb. But uh, you know what, guys? watching this reminded me, first of all, it has been a long time since we've had a very good Jason Statham movie, right? Like one, we talked about others, like there was the guy with the. You see him punch
1: a shark think, in the face. I
2: did, <laughs> you know, I did perfectly fine. I think there was a level of uh of fun or like even action, like the the Meg movies. Like I like the Meg and the Meg 2. I like the Meg one a lot, actually. Meg 2, not as much. Um, but The thing that made us all fall in love with Jason Statham, like being there watching the transporter for the first time, being like this guy from the Guy Ritchie movies from lock stock and two Smoking barrels is like a kick-ass action star. He can do martial arts. He could be funny. He could be charismatic. He can drive fast. Um, (laughs) Not much driving in this one, Uh, but this watching this movie did remind me of like, Oh man, when Statham is cooking, You know, when he's not making the shitty B-movies, but also cooking (laughs) on a level with a script that is delirious, a script by Kurt Wimmer, by the way, Uh, a name I have not heard in almost 20 years because uh, Dave and I also originally bonded over Equilibrium, that movie from back in the day. I don't know if you ever saw Ultraviolet, Dave, his uh, theatrical follow-up unwatchable (laughs) an unwatchable (laughs) movie so to see kurt wimmer's name appear too as a writer that kind of got me intrigued i think this movie it's, it's completely ridiculous there's no real human beings or feelings here but has jason statham as a former secret agent of a beekeeper that like it's all insanity it's all like it's all like crazy hyperactive but i think the action is fun um i think him is like a force of nature and everybody just trying to like keep up with him that was endlessly hilarious. I like the cop duo that's in this. And uh, yes, as we will talk about in spoilers, this movie, gets, when I could not think I could like really love this movie even more, I was like, <laughs> oh man, yes, we're doing this. That's where that movie, this movie goes in the third act. And we will talk about that as well. So i not the biggest fan of David Ayer. You know, we've talked about his, his suicide squad movie and how that's barely a movie. But I think like. This is decently fun. Uh, the action is competently shot. Um, there are some, like, just the way they present some things. Like, they, this is a movie about uh, call centers for malware. And the call centers are basically <laughs> produced like a music video. Like, they have LED <laughs> lighting. And it's just, like, it is so delirious and so maximalist. So I was like, oh, this is actually kind of hilarious. I'm actually pu- I'm picking up what you're putting down here, David Ayer. Uh, there is a, uh, like, a tech bro. Uh, played by uh, josh hutcherson i believe like who is perfect level perfect level of like smarmy asshole perfect level of, like guy i want to punch but also literally like everything major corporate offices are doing right now they make fun of within like five minutes of his introduction my office in new york has most of those things guys it's not just a joke <laughs> it is real like the satire of that whole Shitty Environment is also Josh Hutchinson's character actually
0: based off of DeVinger Hardware. Yeah, actually. To, well,
2: no, not me. I'm not at that level. If I were, <laughs> he's based off of Shingy. If you guys remember the Digital Prophet <laughs> from uh from Yahoo, that's yeah. probably who he's based yeah. on. I, um yeah. but I, I just think like every element of this movie is like ludicrous and ridiculous, and I had a lot of fun with it. It's
1: not a great movie, but it is a good B movie. Anyone considering watching this should first watch the uh docuseries telemarketers. Mm, yeah. Not not Richard. the same vibe, Jeff. No, <laughs> yeah. it's not. Uh, not the uh, tel- same telemarketers vibe. Telemarketers gives a much
0: more realistic depiction of <laughs> yes. what it is like to be a telemarketer. Uh, uh, sadly, does it have th-
2: Jason Statham kicking ass,
0: Jeff? Sadly, this movie loses a lot of points in the gritty realism uh, department for its depiction of the telemarketers. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about Kurt Wimmer, okay? This guy has yeah, this guy. one of the. First of all, I have a lot of affection for Kurt Wimmer's work. I think yes. he has one of the most uneven filmographies of anyone I know. Now, uh, I- I'm going to just read off a bunch of his movies in a row, okay? Uh, equal, uh, e- apparently, he was a screenwriter on uh, The Thomas Crown Affair, uh, which is, uh, in he my must opinion... must have like, had a pass on that, because I had like A screenplay games. by Kurt Wimmer and Leslie Dixon. Mm-hmm. Awesome movie. Awesome, awesome movie. movie. Like, one of my favorites of that genre.
1: This is uh, the remake with Pierce Brosnan. The
0: re- remake with Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Um, Equilibrium, super fun. One of Christian Bale's breakout action hits probably helped to get him the role of batman i would argue no absolutely um the uh the recruit uh i think that's the colin farrell movie right uh it's mm-hmm. fine i didn't see it that was okay Ultraviolet, Devinger thought was terrible street kings not good law abiding citizen i wouldn't good. say it's one of my favorite movies of all time but it good is movie. like it's up there as a movie that i just enjoy for how ridiculous i it think is. of
2: the ridiculous kills in that movie Probably too often. One like of one wild. of the
0: best kills of that movie is the cell phone explosive. Yes, uh, where somebody just picks up the phone and then like Boom. they have yeah. a conversation and then <laughs> bloop, like it explodes and it's just like one of the most shocking moments in any movie that I've seen. I remember there um, was like
2: a jail shiv that was just like to the yeah. neck, just yes. like yeah, incredible, incredible,
0: incredible. Incre- so like love, Law is Citizen. salt, salt. Angelina, Angelina. Uh, Freaking awesome kick ass movie that I still enjoy to this, this day. This is the second time we brought up Salt recently, too. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And then he made movies like the 2012 remake of Total Recall and the 2015 remake of Point Break, which were both pretty bad. In pretty, my bad. pretty bad. He directed the Children of the Corn reboot that I have mm-hmm. not even heard about. Yeah. But it's currently uh, IMDb rated at a three point seven. So. And then he wrote not Expendables. Great. He was a screenwriter on Expendables Four, which apparently wasn't very good. So mm-hmm. uh, wildly uneven. I just never know whether I'm going to get the Kurt Wimmer I love, <laughs> or the Kurt Wimmer that's like this is not that interesting and kind of hacky. He's actually a guy um, who only makes B movies, apparently.
2: So yeah, you know.
1: I think you mispronounced it. I think it's Expend mm <laughs> Jeff Kanata, what did you think of the Beekeeper? Well, Dave. I guess you could say what I thought of The Beekeeper is best summed up in the form of a limerick. It's among the worst movies you'll see. Watch Statham fight an amputee. It's dumb and contrived. Protect the hive? This bee movie's more like a D. <laughs>
0: oh, wow! Yeah,
1: this I'm is very... where we
2: remind uh, I don't think you watch enough B movies Jeff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've I've how bad B, things I've can get of B movies. or now maybe I, maybe he just doesn't like them this is yeah. why yeah, yeah.
1: I can't bring myself to hate rebel moon because I have to reserve mm-hmm. my hate for oh my this God. kind of movie wow. Good God! I, I hate this movie I hate this mm. movie I hate it so very much this it seems to me now forgive me for what I'm about to say for taking it here but this feels like the movie that the January sixth rioters whack off to. So this is a movie. It, it, it is profoundly stupid. I don't think the action is fun or exciting. It. it I, I am embarrassed for Jeremy Irons and Minnie Driver. Oh, he is being, having so much fun. No, Academy he's not. Academy Award winner Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons. No, he is not having Sing any fun. Saying these words. Jeff. No, he's not. He's <laughs> not having any fun. He's cashing a check. It, I don't. All I need is Jeremy yeah. Irons' voice, but yeah. I love Jeremy. I love Jeremy Irons. I am I'm embarrassed for him. I'm sorry. I'm like, what down payment did you need? Uh, you know, what, Surely there could be some better way for you to get a job. Um, th- uh, this movie wants to be uh, John Wick really, really bad, except it doesn't understand anything about what makes John Wick special, right? There is at no point... Is Jason Statham ever in danger, or at you know, in we are ever there's ever, never a point where he could possibly fail in anything he does. There's no stakes at all to anything. Um, I am I am sad for how it treats Felicia Rashad in this movie. Um, I this is a movie about a guy who is in a government agency called the Beekeepers, and when he retires becomes an actual beekeeper. That's well, so you know all he profo- knows. Jeff. It's all he how, knows. You know how psychotic that is? <laughs> that is that is a sign of mental illness. That is <laughs> profoundly stupid. That's like if you were uh in the financial department of a company and then when you retire you actually count beans. <laughs> <laughs> That is is like if if the Harvey Keitel character (laughs) in Pulp Fiction retired and actually became a cleaner. Like, (laughs) what kind of disturbed mind is like, I must become the thing that everybody called me. It is so profoundly stupid. And at no point does he use bees to attack anyone. You have one job, movie called Beekeeper, and that's to use the bees. He uses Never. the honey. Not at any point. He does point. use the honey to attack people. He uses he the, use the honey. He uses the honey. Uses yes. honey. I, uh, this movie insults me at every turn. It is so profoundly stupid. And it is so, this is, you know, you talk about dad movies and I have I have rejected that uh title, but here is the quintessential yes. dad movie in its most pejorative form because you have literally all of the scary things that happen in this are those those crazy millennials and their their ticky talks and their ability to scare me with technology. And oh if only there was a big, strong dad who could never be hurt by anything and could just stroll in and show those young kids how their computers are hurting everybody. It is so it is so lowest common denominator. It is so pandering and and stupid and not fun, stupid. It's not in my opinion, not fun, stupid. I know you had fun with it, Davindra, and I am glad you did, but to me, it is stupid in a way that is, that is lowering the IQ of our country. It is like, it is pandering to a mentality that is like, you know what you should do is you should go in and punch them in the face. And there's nothing they can do to hurt you because you're, you have justice on your side. It's like, Go fuck yourself, movie. I I hate this movie so much. Jeff, uh, you were entitled to your opinion, but if you bring up Rebel Moon as a
2: thing <laughs> that is better than this movie, the thing I will put down is that this movie understands what it is okay it It understands how no jeff it understands how dumb it is it does not open with anthony hopkins telling me a grand tale of something (laughs) in some stupid galaxy whatever there is a self-seriousness to that movie like the thing we talked about in our review that movie should be more fun people should be having more fun with it but it's all like grim dark bullshit you know because it doesn't allow itself to have fun this movie gives you jason Statham. As a former operative, who would create something like the Beekeepers, like a no, no, program no, no. that yeah. is outside of any control? It's like, oh yeah, sometimes we need something outside of the government control to really keep us in check. You know, whoever came up with the idea of the Beekeepers is psychotic. Everything about this movie is psychotic, but it is the tone of it is pure ridiculousness, which no, is I why I'm
1: enjoying it. This, I think, this movie is absolutely taking itself seriously, and I will, I will take your anthony hopkins gravelly monologue and raise you a jason statham gravelly monologue where he literally sits at a table and goes anyone who would take advantage of old people it's like taking advantage of young people like taking advantage of children of a baby. no wait of a baby it's worse it's worse <laughs> it's like it, that in that moment that movie is not being ironic it's not be, it is completely Jeff, does it sound ridiculous oh, let, let, to you? It let, it let, him let, let, let Jeff finish. Let's yeah, finish let Jeff. It yeah. is speaking to the people who believe that. It is speaking a, a hundred percent to the to the to the uh, you know septuagenarian who's sitting in that audience, going, "Yeah, yeah. If only I was the man I was ten years ago. I'd walk in there with my gasoline cans and burn the place to the ground too." <laughs> that that is the tone that I got from the movie. That. Made me hate it so very much, and you to think that you can divorce politics from this movie. This movie is one hundred percent speaking to a very Jeff, that is every. Let, let, let him every finish. Everyone. Yeah,
0: let him finish. Let him finish what he's saying. Go ahead.
1: I, I, it's okay. I'm finished. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm glad you had fun with it. It is goofy, and I think if you can convince yourself that the goofiness is all it's about, then. Maybe you can have. Some, I don't think even the action is interesting or fun. I I don't think I don't think there's anything interesting or fun about this movie at all. There's no cl- nothing. Cl- he doesn't. There's one sequence, one thing he does with an elevator shaft that I thought was <laughs> oh that's cool. But most of the stuff he does in this movie isn't interesting, isn't clever, isn't. I mean, it it, it wants so badly to be John Wick, and it it just it it doesn't even understand John Wick. So. I'm glad you can have goofy fun with it. I was offended by this movie and put off by it 100%. And I just think it's it's true garbage.
2: I mean, I think any one-man army movie politically does align. as kind of conservative. And we watch a lot of those movies. Like, that's the thing. That's, that's Die Hard. That is so many no, other no, no, things. No, no, like, no, no, no. Like, one guy who, hard, can, who can take
1: on anything. But Die Hard, Bruce Willis is constantly... Uh, pushed to his limit. He's constantly at the verge yes. of failing. He's constantly That's more bleeding and movie. hurting. And yes. there is no moment, there's no moment where where Statham sweats in this movie. He there's no moment where he is ever taxed. And that is that like superhuman the only thing you could stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun mentality that this movie is just like reveling in and just like, yeah, I'm an unstoppable force. Why? No reason. Just because I am. Just because I'm a beekeeper. It's so, so profoundly dumb. And yeah, anyway.
2: This movie All feels right. like a challenge. It is very much a John Wick thing, but it is also like, oh, the John Wick aesthetic. Are you, they just have old computers. Why do they have? A lot of it seems like, It is poking fun at that whole thing. Like, we have seen so many John Wick imitators, guys. And this is the one where it's like, okay, I'm just going to be dumb, John Wick. Okay. John Wick is like a certain level of silliness. This one is like even dumber. And I don't know. I was just on that wavelength. But it is, it is wild, Jeff. Like, coming out of that Rebel Moon review and watching that movie and just being like, this, that is what's insulting to me because that is bloviating, you know, hours (laughs) over two hours of nonsense, building up a mythology for nothing. Like, it, I can't even have fun with how that movie is, like, even if it's a bad movie. If you're going to make a bad movie, if you're going to make a silly movie, at least, like, let me have fun with it. I think this movie, at the very least, allows some people to have fun with it, yeah.
0: I think both of you make great points, honestly. I'm being 100% serious. Uh, I think, as Devendra indicated, any kind of this one-man army... Armies... By the way, we have a lot of these movies coming So many right of them. That are just literally a profession, and the guy is a badass. We got the accountant the bricklayer the baker the beekeeper those all real the movies baker? i just said uh yeah Is the baker one wow yeah uh ron perlman ron perlman
1: yes okay. um i hope he hits somebody with a baguette <laughs> that's <laughs> the point i think he uses yes. like one of those roller At no like, point does he hit anybody pick. with a bee. But, uh. <laughs> I mean again Jeff he uses, missed,
2: like he, tons and tons of honey he uses right there the honey
0: anyway uh so yeah, it it is it does play into this fantasy of uh, being able to be this strong man who can like stomp out uh, the bad guys, and also uh, in this case, coincidentally, the bad guys are those young tech people that use all those fancy s- silicon chips and such. And I agree that that's like a um, pretty toxic message. Uh, and I agree that the movie itself is very toxic. Having said all that, I had a great time with this movie. Um, I I had a blast of this movie. I where I disagree with both of you is. Uh, you know, Davindra is saying the tone is like making fun of itself. Jeff is saying, you know, the tone is super self-serious. I would argue the tone is wildly inconsistent. That it is. it doesn't can It is both. It is at times extremely self-serious and at times extremely off the wall and zany. And it can't decide which movie it's trying to mm-hmm. be. But, okay. Um, what is it that makes this movie different than John Wick? By the way, this movie made more money. Than John Wick chapter one did in its opening weekend. So well, nobody knew what, we, what was coming with John yeah, Wick. Yeah. It's very possible we might see a Beekeeper 2, Beekeeper Cinematic Universe. Uh, Still so keeping. Who knows? We'll see. Still keeping. Um, but I would say uh, they're both, at times, very self serious about the world that they're trying to create, right? So that's similar to John Wick. There's this underground society of people with like analog aesthetic. They can only use old with computers with green monitors. All shit. Yeah. Uh, one big For difference what? that Jeff points out aptly is. Um, uh, that John Wick is able to like get injured and and be like potentially defeated and and that that's not something that we really see in this one so that's like sorely lacking that's a big one. Agreed. Also, I'm just gonna say the stylistic choices, the sartorial choices of the beekeepers, <laughs> not quite as on point as those in the John Wick universe. Okay, uh, this is true, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think it's a very thin line because at its core, John Wick is kind of very goofy and silly, um, but it takes itself so seriously and follows through with that seriousness in a way that you can buy mm-hmm. it. And I don't feel like this movie really does complete that swing because of because there's a little too much David Ayer suicide squad in this movie, in my opinion, for it to he really yeah, yeah. complete that swing. And so, yep. um, so I think it's wildly inconsistent. I think it has a terrible message. And also, I had a great time. And, uh, and oh, I'll say one last thing, which is I actually like the fights. I thought the fights distinguish themselves sufficiently from John Wick. John Wick has this kind of gun kata. Like he's using the guns in interesting ways. Um, yes, Jason Statham does use guns in this movie. But it's more brutal hand-to-hand tools and like other implements and that aren't guns. And I thought that that was like a meaningful difference from how John Wick fights usually happen. So... There was enough here that made me feel like, hey, this is a fun B action movie uh that I would actually say is a great time. Uh but uh you know, I, I obviously also understand why Jeff was grossly offended by. It. I don't I don't fault him for that at all. So, all right. I want to say w- one
1: more yeah. positive thing cuz Davindra uh, in passing mentioned the 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 sort of two cops in this movie. Yeah. Uh Bobby Nadiri uh so good. Pl- plays the 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 male cop. Yeah, I loved him. Mm-hmm. Loved him in this. He's movie. a dad. He's, he's trying to like, do his job. He throws <laughs> yeah. away everything, every line. He's he's sort of like he's really in his own movie. And I yeah. I dug him. I thought he was great. I want to see more of him.
2: I had he had a really good uh pl- like counterplay with his uh with his partner who yeah. is more. I, she's kind of hilarious because she is like the person who is always chasing the John Wick character or whoever the lead character is. So, you know, uh, bad things happen to her and her family, but also, <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah. their interplay alone was enough to keep me involved in this movie.
0: She's also great, Emmy yeah. uh, Raver Lampman is mm. uh, her name, and uh, yeah, I thought they I thought they made a good duo. Yeah, uh, the movie is really three movies <laughs> it's this buddy and we can't cop- even reveal what it turns right, into right right, yeah, the last yeah it's, it's yeah. this buddy cop comedy and then it's this extremely self-serious taken style revenge thriller but and then this com- other thing that i'm not even going to say right now before spoilers, <laughs> right? it's not even
1: and, a com- it's not a buddy cop comedy it's like there's no comedy to it it's just like
0: i, I would argue hang out they're hanging a lot out of they're lines. making jokes like i think they're it's it's like kind of like that tone but anyway Let's get to spoilers for The Beekeeper starting right now.
1: I thought of an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. It
0: compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end.
3: When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, not, I know how it ends.
1: You can't handle the truth. Inconceivable. I came here
0: to tell you how it's going to begin. All right, there is one moment in this movie... Yeah, that is going to define whether or not you are on board with the movie or not. And that is, of course, the moment when Jeremy Irons and Josh Hutcherson are talking and, <laughs> and Jeremy Irons is like, we got it. You got to call your mom so we can you get call close your to her people. We she, She's got to protect us. And Josh Hutcherson is like, oh, so we're going to use her as a human shield. And she, Jeremy Irons says, just call her. So he calls her. And then I, I'm like. I think I know what's about to happen. I was was ready to clap. There's literally only one person in the United States who being around that person could protect you possibly. (laughs) And that is when uh, somebody identifies Josh Hutcherson's mom as, thank you, Madam President. (laughs) I literally... I
2: literally I clapped, spontaneously spontaneously started, the started clapping. It's like Kurt like, Wimmer, you you s- madman. You I madman. Coming a mile you were away. making an yeah. Olympus this fallen. movie, except uh it's the bad guy. Yeah. The Beekeeper's the bad Guy. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, incredible. I, I, I saw incredible. that coming. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I just I, saw I, it coming. The, the moment the uh the moment that I uh pieced out of this I mean, I pieced out pretty early, but the moment I pieced out of this movie hardcore was when They expected me to believe that Felicia Rashad would commit suicide.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. I was gonna say. I thought you were gonna say they expected Felicia Rashad to like fall victim to this incredibly obvious scam. I thought that.
1: I mean, that happens. That's a other than the let me finish. Other than the like wildly over the top, you know. Everybody, watch! I'm gonna take this (laughs) like like, just like mustache twirling (laughs) garbage nonsense. But you know, like I said, having watched telemarketers, yeah, which is a good companion piece to this movie if you actually yes. want to see the Max some co- original series telemarket Yeah, Ma- Max the one to watch for HBO. Um, it, having watched that very recently, like, I I, th- I thought that was actually well done and she showed some doubt and you, you actually, I was invested in, oh, don't do it, lady, don't do it. Yeah. No, don't do it. But other than the fact that the guy is like performing it, like if you yeah. just, if it played it real, that would have been a really cool scene, really effective scene. But, the idea that this woman who seems like a, you know, salt of the earth, genuine, lovely, uh, generous, connected to her community, a helpful, former nurse, right? And, and she's got a daughter and she's going to just offer herself without mentioning anything to the daughter, do- without leaving a note, without, like, it, it is so preposterous. And it also, like, makes her into a, an unsympathetic character in am my I? Am I uh, a mind because it's like what a what a strange and selfish act to do that has no consideration you lost everybody's money okay well what you, you, you the inciting incident is going to be that you off yourself like it's it's so contrived and stupid and doesn't bear any kind of consideration for the characters themselves like n- n- there are other ways to make us care about Statham's, you know. It's like, here's the here's a better way to say it. The movie doesn't give a shit about anyone except motivating Statham. It only mm-hmm. cares about a plot motivation in that moment, other than like actually creating a believable, sympathetic, interesting world.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that and and consistently that's what the movie is doing. And not for fun, not for joy, not for uh, goofy silliness. It's like, oh, I'm forced to consider the suicide of this woman right now. Mm-hmm. I can't have any goofy fun with this. And like, where we get to at the end, where we're storming the, president, <laughs> the president's I, party. I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't have goofy fun with that in this. With, with yeah. that, what I know has happened in the world completely completely fair first,
0: couple things first of all I don't know about you guys but I had some conversations with my parents after watching this movie about oh, not yeah. being taken in by scams I I saw this uh, reference online on social media uh, this week there is now a scam where people can use AI to clone your voice and they'll like call your parents and say hey well, I'm you know your son I'm in trouble. Uh, I need some bail money. I need you to wire me bail money. You know, I yeah. had that exact thought while
1: watching this. And why doesn't the movie do that? It, you <laughs> have you literally have the daughter, character. the daughter character. Wouldn't that be much more compelling? Much more of the now? Much more mm-hmm. interesting to like have the daughter character be the reason, and then you have actual stakes because the daughter character at no point gives a shit that her mom was killed. Like, there's no. Not we have no one point, moment of her yes, sitting on the no. uh, sitting on the stoop, looking out. And that's the entire grieving process that she has. Mm, mm. And it's like, oh, couldn't we have had a really cool moment where the daughter is somehow responsible in some way for the mother's suicide? Like, why does your mom commit suicide? Do we not – we're not – I don't know. It it makes me so angry this movie's lack of concern about any kind of human reality Mm. of Mm -hmm. anything. And that is the problem. Yeah,
0: I I will tell you where the movie went off the like. There's there's a certain moment when I realized. So, Davindra, you're you're saying the movie is self-aware? I don't think it's self-aware because there's a moment in this movie that I felt to myself. This movie doesn't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Like that's there's a moment when I felt that, and that was when the other beekeeper shows up. (laughs) I don't know if you remember that, but there's a moment when. So the whole movie has been like a fairly self-serious kind of pot boiler, you know. Uh, about, I don't know if uh, about he 30, 30, walks 40 into minutes in. the thing and blows up the building. I don't know how self serious that
2: is. Like Okay, I, that's fair. Yeah,
0: I, that's fair. But then thirty, forty minutes in, they're like, Oh, like the present the current beekeeper is going after him. So I'm like, Oh, he's gonna be like another yeah. Statham esque. You thought this would assassin. be like
2: born uh born supremacy right, or something right. where it's
0: like they're chasing each other for the whole movie. It's
2: John
1: Wick, right?
0: Instead, yeah. it's literally somebody who looks like they came out of David Ayer's su- Suicide Squad. Like, yeah. It's literally somebody who, like... Comic book character. Right, comic book character, like... You'd you think beekeepers have certain qualities. Like, they need to blend in. <laughs> they need to be subtle, you know? they going to be part not of the gonna, hive. A not secret have, underground
1: organization, so I'm going to use no. this Gatling gun on the back of my head. I'm going to use this Gatling gun.
0: I have this, like hot pink jacket. It made no sense even for the world they were creating. And I, I just was like, oh, this is just David Ayers thinking to himself, we need to spice things up. Like Kurt Wimmer's well, you know, making funny. a self-serious movie. And then David Ayer's yeah. like, we got to like, you know, Kurt Wimmer's like, what if the other beekeeper was like, kind of like the guy in uh, like Clive Owen and born identity, right, you know? Right. And then David Ayer's like, not sexy enough. Like we got to have something <laughs> that is going to grab people's eye.' And I was in the nightclub recently.
1: It feels like you're mashing
0: mind. things did, together in a way that doesn't make sense. You know? So anyway. how did she,
1: how did she go get to get to him?
0: How did she find him? <laughs> No explanation. He was at a, he was at a gas. He, he must have used a credit card at the gas station, right,
1: Because that's what the beekeeper would do. <laughs> I don't. I he don't he literally he doesn't exist. This is exist a man in any, we've we, been told <laughs> he doesn't exist in any database. We've established
0: he's, that we don't know what consistent beekeeper. We don't know the consistent, is, okay? This is also a man who's <laughs>
2: walking into a crowd of cops and is like, "Let me beat you up." Like that is something he does several times in this movie. What I think is hilarious about the other beekeeper is that the movie is setting up like, "Oh man, it's his equal, and they, he's even crazier than he is." He kills this person he in five, minutes, like three, five yeah, three minutes. minutes. <laughs> that's the joke. That's the like. Oh, you think this is? You think this is Carl Urban in the Born Supremacy? No, no,
0: no. Just, I, I, would love to be- I would love to. believe Devendra that yeah, like yeah. that was the joke. If, if so, that's why I laugh. If so but wonderfully done. I'm dumb. telling you why I laugh. If so wonderfully yeah. done. But I'm like, I don't think yep. the movie knows what it is. Anyway, uh, and then by the way, like for some reason, the president of the United States also has her own Suicide Squad esque. Cl- you know, every, everybody, people. yeah, everybody has their Dude, own like, group of like, you, you troopers, have this, yeah. like you have all these secret service people
1: and then you have well, Sabretooth, Sabretooth shows up from the X-Men for <laughs> some reason. Why is Sabretooth there? For I don't know. No,
0: no, I actually, I think I'm like trying to reverse engineer how they made this movie. And I think they're like, okay, the movie's going to culminate with Jason Statham doing a siege on the president's house which by the yep. way wild premise and then um and then they, they thought to themselves oh well what's there's got to be some big final confrontation well he can't just face off against some random ass secret service agent
1: Yes. Right? But, yeah. so w- but let's he, not let's not seed that character at any point earlier no, in the movie. No, Why, no, would, we Why would, we would we waste time establishing the big bad that he has no, to get past? Absolutely not. You can't waste time with that, Jeff. So,
0: they have this you got to have this big like law driven life is what mm-hmm. I would describe it's that. being like Australian it. dude, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and we
1: just you know how we meet that guy? We're in a room off-handed. and he's sitting he's off just, camera. Just like He's just sitting there off camera. And all of a sudden, that guy's in the movie. Literally,
0: <laughs> when they cut to him, I started laughing because I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, it's it makes the noise. craziest
1: way to introduce <laughs> the biggest villain in the movie, the biggest bad in the movie. It's, it's ridiculous. It's the craziest thing. He's literally like, the shot is Jeremy Irons. I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yes. he's like off to the yeah, side, and, off,
0: then, and we, then a cut reverse shot, and then he's in the. <laughs> well, so Jeremy Irons
2: just went down his Rolodex of like tough dudes. And you know? I was like, okay, I've got this like group of like ex SEAL Team Six member. X-Seal they all got th- killed. TV they they are, killed. They're all, all done. They're okay, all who's next? <laughs> who's next? Uh, uh, Saber cosplay. Okay, you're you're up. Um, we are not talking enough. About how this movie becomes uh, Olympus is fallen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, I, it's just like you're not you're not just being John Wick. You're not just being like the typical Statham thing. But also, we're gonna reverse engineer Olympus is, is fallen <laughs> because you're trying to kill the president's son. It's like it's a hat on a hat on a hat. Ridiculous! <laughs> it's completely stupid. You know what I was in the mood for? A hat on a hat on a hat.
0: Starring yeah, starring Jason
2: Statham. I like, that's I agree. What it was.
0: I had a great time. It's it's so patently ridiculous the entire last 30 minutes i mean the entire movie is but like yeah. the entire last 30 minutes is so patently ridiculous i i had a He's great just time walking
2: around like just with his normal face in front of all the security guards i He's
0: realized by the way like hide. i really you, you know what i realized like i had a, i had a big epiphany while watching this mm-hmm. movie which is that we see divorced presidents way more often in fiction it's true. Than we do in real life. Like it's, it happens extremely rarely in real life. Has it well, ever? I don't think president? it's ever happened. Yeah.
2: That was like the whole thing. Yeah. Right?
0: And, and, and it's like, I guess screenwriters just like the dramatic tension. And in this case, plot reveals that can happen with a divorced
1: president. Were they divorced? Uh, did they specifically say that? Or I don't know where the dad was. The oh,
0: c- certainly separate. Like, I think they used to be in love, certainly, right? Like, mm-hmm. so they're separated or divorced or whatever, but um, I, I don't think she, I think she's single, you know? She's yeah. single, fellas. Um, So, she's you know... Really uh, rocking anyway, that I, outfit. I just think people are like, hey, it's more interesting if the president's divorced because they have complicated family dynamics that yeah. you can't have if they're happily married, which is, you know... Can we presidents. talk about the
2: weirdest thing in this movie, by the way, is where Josh Hutcherson is telling President Mommy, you're looking pretty good, Mama. And he's like... And she's like yeah, you, you're really attractive. You know, God doesn't give with both hands. It's very weird. <laughs> what is happening? And then she starts a cigarette and then she hands it to him all sexily. I'm like,
3: what? <laughs> what?
0: Da- David Ayer probably put in some uh, incest pollen that got cut for time. Yeah, most definitely. Um, he was like, what? Mm, what if they really like each other? Ugh. Messed up. Um, messed
1: up. Jeff, I, at you no said point you liked the elevator movie,
0: shaft sequence. That, I, I agree. That was pretty cool. That was
1: cool. the elevator shaft sequence was cool, but it was one. I did not think the tying the dude to the car and driving him off the thing was cool. I, like, <laughs> it was like 12 steps when one would have been sufficient. You know? Not not cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, at no point do does the beekeeper uh, say that he's attacking the politicians.
2: I think we figured out what's wrong, Jeff you really want to write this movie I feel like that's a, you want to get those jokes in there. I mean uh,
1: more puns. they did
2: they to the be.
1: metaphor repeatedly about the hive and protect the hive, and it's just like uh, and then we we do this elaborate tap dance to like be like at sometimes a worker bee will attack the queen and uh, dude, when they said that, I was like. <laughs> I know exactly where this is going because <laughs> there's only one person in this entire movie who could be the queen. It's his pres- mom, obviously. It's like, <laughs> dude, I love that. Mini Driver was like, "I'll do one day on your movie <laughs> she, yeah, she, as a favor." She was in this movie for like three. Scenes. I'll do one day, but I'm not getting anywhere near Jason Statham. And I, I'm wearing a cocktail dress. And also I get to keep the dress after the movie. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, a I lot just of ridiculous for s- Jeremy Irons, man. Somebody like put that dude in a good movie, please. If he needs the money, can we just cast? I know yeah. he played, he just, he just played Alfred. So, you know, he's willing, willing to take anything at this point. Evidently. I watched,
0: I watched him do a live uh, on stage with Leslie Manville version of Eugene O'Neill's long day's journey tonight. That was like wow. six, six years ago. And uh, <laughs> it is wild to have <laughs> that memory and then watch him in this movie. He is one of uh, the
1: great, great actors of uh, any time period. And well, hey, so this
0: movie did pretty well opening weekend. So I think, you know, maybe hopefully get some back end out of the gross of this movie and he can uh, buy that new addition on his house. You know, that's what we are all
1: hoping for. Sure for hope Hines. that works out for him. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't have to be in the se- sequel of this. All
0: right. Anything else about the beekeeper dimension? Otherwise, let's wrap it up there. I mean, Um,
2: listen, uh, I don't. The thing about the ridiculousness of this movie and where it goes is like, and it ends with him escaping, of course. How do you top this? Where do you go next? (laughs) And I'm just so curious about how ridiculous this whole thing is going to go. Yet another, you know, bonkers franchise for Jason Statham.
0: Jeff, I think you did a great job of summarizing how weird it is that he becomes an actual beekeeper in real life. and I got to say it made it really confusing. Uh like that he was an actual beekeeper in real life, you know, like cuz the whole time you're like okay, so are the assassins like do they take up beekeeping because that's required? Oh no, he just yeah. does it cuz he likes he it. No, he's likes- assassin. He just <laughs> should, like
1: can't get it out of his head he that he's, a, head <laughs> he's <his> just <laughs> such a simple minded moron. <laughs> that there's, I'm a beekeeper, must be beekeeper, well, okay. I guess. Okay, Th-
3: that's
0: that's the, the least charitable way to view it, Jeff. <laughs> Bees are fascinating, valuable creatures Bees are to fascinating society, okay? okay, the other beekeeper yeah. had the beekeeper book. How? Why'd she have the book? Yeah, let me tell you how they're dare, all crazy. Yeah, how?
1: Exactly. Why? How
0: dare you judge him? We need more beekeepers in our society. Indeed. Are you familiar with colony collapse disorder, uh, Jeff? I mean, it's a real the thing. Most,
1: we need we need bees. The biggest transgression it, in this movie it is it when it
0: it put the idea of beekeeping <laughs> in his head, and so he's like, "Oh, just great. buzzing around in yeah, there. Great. Yeah, great. Now I
1: got to do this. this. Is cool. I got to think about it. Have you yeah. never had an idea that got incepted I, and now you got to do would it? Just yeah. like more of our government agencies to be called the school teachers, <laughs> the the uh, <laughs> you know, the bricklayers, yeah, you the, know? Social
0: worker, the social you workers. the social workers, yeah. Right? <laughs> That would be amazing.
1: <laughs> Next time, call the
0: Secret Assassin Society the school teachers.
1: Yeah, and then I mean, we really them. Like, you kids, stay in line. Stay in line, all of you. <laughs> that was more like a Sylvester Stallone impression, mm. Jeff. I don't know. I can't do Statham. He doesn't. Was Statham very
2: doing much. kindergarten cop?
0: Basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> it's kindergarten. What's, a, cop? what's iconic? Yeah, that, line that was Kindergarten like a kindergarten. Kid, was a kindergarten cop. I was like, what is going You're on? Right. Okay. Yeah. All, right. all right. Yeah. It's not a dream. All right. <laughs> Who is your daddy, and what does he do? <laughs> at the end of the day, it is really impressive that David Ayer made a movie. And Kurt Wimmer again. And He's Kurt still,
1: Wimmer is still around.
0: My man, Kurt. All right. You can find more episodes of this podcast at filmcast.com. Email us at slash at Let us know. Was the beekeeper a horrible affront to your sensibilities or was it a masterpiece? Uh, we are interested. There is to no
1: think. in between.
0: Inquiring Listen, minds want to know. It's like 69%
2: filmcast. Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Nice. slash filmcast at gmail.com uh patreon.com slash film podcast where you can sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive after darks reminder next week our episode will come out a little bit late so be ready for that our music was brought to you by tim McEwen from the midnight who wrote our theme song noah ross did the dave's b movie bumper as well as our weekly plugs music and our spoiler bumper he also helped to edit this episode next week on the podcast we got Ferrari by Michael Mann is what we're going to be reviewing. I know what you're thinking. Didn't that, movie come out weeks, uh, didn't that movie come out weeks ago? Yes, but it's also the first Michael Mann movie we've had in a really long time. Not enough people have seen it.
2: That's also a thing. Yep.
0: Yeah, uh, it'll probably be available on streaming very shortly. Uh, Neon is releasing it. And uh, also January, a pretty barren month for releases. We we're just trying to catch up on a few things from the month of December. Uh, yeah. so look It'll be available
2: to- January 23rd on VOD.
0: Yeah, so a going great us. time for Perfect us time. to be talking about. Perfect time. Literally, the episode will come out when it is available for streaming on video in advance. So look forward to that conversation. And that is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of The Filmcast. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Thanks for your patronage. Until next week, we'll see you later. Goodbye.